Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to the festive special, Christmas special. I'm saying, I'm saying Christmas, I don't care. The festive Christmas special. The holiday special of Tell Me Again. <laughs> we've had a short break Woo. and we've been free to read what we want, watch what we want. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest, I've not read that much since, since, we, uh, since we stopped. I think I've read about three books. And they've all been sci-fi. Yeah, I, 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 I did a, a comic book binge. I read some Superior Spider-Man. I've read some Daredevil. Uh, what else did I read? I think I read the second Umbrella Academy. Was it shit? Yeah, so I did a bit. Uh, no, it was better than it was better than the first one. Oh, okay. The, the first one was probably weird. The the second one, like loads of elements from the TV show, are in. This, from series one of the TV show are introduced in the second comic book. They did that a lot with Alton Carbon as well. That's better. what I've been reading. It, it's so kind of like they've swapped what was in season one and two and they've both gone in opposite directions. <laughs> so I'm not surprised that they didn't get to do a season three because they've used everything up by that point. This is just bare, bare barren, yeah. desolate wasteland of a galaxy. But anyway, Merry Christmas. They've, used up all the, they've altered all the carbon. I said Merry Christmas. They've altered all the carbon. <laughs> yes, they've altered all the carbon. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Daniel. Thank you. I thought you were How much Baileys? How much Baileys does one pour into a glass? As I've m- never as m- had it sober before. You've I've never... only drank it out of the bottle once. You, see, that was very, very good. I suspected this because when you when I when I told you that it was cheap. Tell me when to stop. Hang on. Okay, hang on. on. Tell me when to stop. I just I won't say stop. Tell me when to stop. Now. Tell me once. <laughs> and he continued... That, by the way... That, he's got half a rock. That's half my glass, by the way. Baileys. I've started off strong with the Baileys hot chocolate, which I showed you just before we started. There's whipped cream, there's marshmallows. I've got... A, are, they, are they white and pink marshmallows? They is are. multicolored marshmallows? They are white and Delight. pink. They are white and pink. There's no fucking point in having marshmallows if they're not multicolored. I know. Otherwise, you just get uh, arrested by the... Uh, the whitewash police. If you've only got white yeah. marshmallows, you need pink marshmallows as well. Yeah, but you got to be aware of those pink wash police. <laughs> you do the pink wash police. <laughs> I'd read that series, that comic book series. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be our spin-off podcast. Pink, where we pink wash different police. brands of pink marshmallows. <laughs> only the pink ones. Only the pink ones. Only the pink ones. It's not a whitewash police, Daniel. Come on. <laughs> because they are, are busy policing <laughs> different ratios of, of colour of marshmallow. But they've got other shit to do. Correct. So today, for Christmas, I've got my digital fireplace off to the side, by the way. Can you see it? Fuck me. Bailey's is dangerously good. I know. Holy shit. I'm so surprised that you... Like, it's such a drink that I know you would like. And you sounded so confused yeah. when I was telling you... It was, it, you know what it was? It was when you came round to mine and you borrowed the book off me, which is what we're doing. We're doing a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens versus the Muppets version, the film. You came round to borrow the, the Charles Dickens book off me, and you you said, "What do you have Bailey's with? Just with ice?" And I was like, "If you want, or you can just have it without <laughs> ice. Have you serious?" And then I said, "I'm going to have a Bailey's hot chocolate," and you were like. Bailey's hot chocolate. Like, the idea appeared to, appealed to you. <laughs> but you'd never actually had one before, and I was just... No. Are you sold? Yeah, I am sold. My one experience with Bailey's... It might not have been the proper Bailey's. It might have been the cheap stuff that you get in Aldi. But my one experience with Bailey's was from about five, six years ago, 
where I went to Manchester to watch Everything Everything mm-hmm. and went to back to a friend of a friend's flat in Manchester and uh, drank heavily throughout the night. And um, yeah, one of the Baileys was brought out and we were literally swigging it, swigging it out of the bottle. <laughs> you, I don't remember how it tasted. Were you, were you sick? I don't remember a great deal about that night. Okay. No, I wasn't sick. So you went to a friend of a friend to see Everything Everything? That's all I took away from that story. Yep, that's all you need to know. That's a real life tongue twister. To that's have, a Pete story right there. To have a shit, to have a shit ton of Baileys, which you have already nearly drained the glass of, and that was quite a large glass of Baileys. Excuse me, that was. Don't lie to the people at home. Well, I've had two small sips. They've no way of proving fake it. news, Dan. There's no fake there's news, no way of Dan. It. This isn't a show. There's no way of disproving it. It's not a TV show. It's a podcast, so you have to just believe what we tell you. Uh, so, yeah, today we're doing... <laughs> oh, it was... Take two, go. Uh, we're doing Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, absolute Victorian classic. Many, mm-hmm. many say responsible for the modern Western um, celebration of Christmas. I, I paused in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> I was so... That, that was like the funniest joke that you've ever said. Until you finish the sentence, it was a joke. It wasn't a joke, but that would have been like such a kind of fake academic, like what's the word I'm thinking of? Like analysis of it, and he goes, and some say that it's uh, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol is responsible for the modern Western film. Some people are Chad and Rita on Facebook. Why? It's just two random people on Facebook. Some people. Oh, ah, okay. okay. <laughs> it was a slow burn at that one. <laughs> Your joke was uh, as unfunny as my Western one. Yeah. Uh, so 1843 versus uh, 1992's Muppets Christmas yes. Carol. Our good friend Jade Redek was born two years before A Christmas Carol was written. He's a host on uh, <laughs> Talk Nerdy to Me. On Talk Nerdy to Me. One of the uh, oldest human beings in existence. That one's for you, Jay. Love you. Um, but yes, that's what we're going to be comparing. So we need to uh, trigger the theme tune, and I'm going to make it. I'm going to try and make the, the, the theme tune Christmassy. By which I mean, do what every other Christmas remix does, and put some, some sleigh bells, keeping time instead Take of the high hats out, the sleigh bells in. Yes, that should be a just classic, about enough. To classic make it Christmassy. Christmas move. But you know, I, I won't replace it with a Christmas carol. <laughs> Merry Christmas! It's a clunky segue, but a segue nonetheless. And we're into the episode. And none of us had to do any impressions, which is I'm sure everyone listening a bonus is for one of us. Fucking ecstatic that they've not had to listen to us do shitty impressions for the fourth time in a row. Just shitty jokes. That's <laughs> what they came here for. They didn't come here for shitty impressions, they came here for <laughs> shitty jokes. That should be our slogan. You know how like Blink 182's slogan is crappy punk rock since nineteen ninety two. Whatever year. Nineteen ninety two. Um, which is the year the Muppets <gasps> came out. Ours could be uh, shitty jokes since 2020. Yeah. I like it. Apart from our shitty jokes go 
much further back than two. Yeah, so they've been recorded since 2020. They are like, and they only get shitter. So, what did you think of both of them overall? Initial impression. Don't give too much away because we've got probably an hour and a half, two Mm. hours to burn. I I like them both. Um, I saw the Muppets Christmas Carol first when I was a kid. Uh, Great, it's amazing film. Uh, I like it a lot. I first read A Christmas Carol about a week ago, or at least I started it a week ago and I finished it today. Uh, and it's also it's a very good book. Who'd have thought that Charles Dickens was actually a good author? And who'd have thought that there are good books that aren't set in space? I didn't. I know that was that was a big I surprise didn't. to me as well. But you know, there's a bit of time travel, so there's a there's a little bit of science fiction. It, it is, yeah, it's not too things. far out of our normal realms, is it? It's still <laughs> it's still a bit sci-fi. Then, yeah. Sci-fi fantasy. If it was just like three therapists that came to see him in the middle of the night, <laughs> then you know the appeal would not be there. But I, I liked them both too. I, I, re- I was, <laughs> I wasn't obviously expecting the Charles Dickens book to be bad. Obviously, he has a very um, um, decorated literary history. But I, I was expecting it to just be a little bit too hard to relate to with the word and the language mm. and stuff with it being, you know, over 150 yeah. years old. I get that. And the word parts where I, d- I did kind of chew yeah, out a little no, bit. Yeah, uh, no, me too. Because, of ha- because I either, A, didn't know what he was saying. Like, it was English, but it, was, it wasn't my <laughs> English. Slams fist down on the table. Um, and I, I had no idea what point he was trying to make. And then there were times where the word and he used was fucking beautiful and you knew exactly what he was getting at when he, when he used certain words mm. and certain orders that you'd never seen used before, and it was really interesting. The the Muppets version, I remember enjoying a lot more. Yeah, it's, it is a kid's... It, it's like a diluted kid's version. It's still good, though. There's a nostalgia element, I think, for people our age. That's what I was... I, I was expecting the nostalgia to, to wash over me and go, oh, this is just as good as I remember, but I was watching it, and there were times where I was a little bit bored. Mm. It was still good, and I and I enjoyed it. Don't think the songs are that good at it. They're not. They're not like super and memorable, the, are they? No, the la- the the big like last number is yeah, quite the, good. Yeah, the bit that the only real song. I've probably not seen it for fifteen, maybe even twenty years. But the song, the bit of the song that always has stuck in my head and has been in my head, like since since I first saw it, it's the bit where Marley's ghosts come. And it's their song, and it's it's Marley and Marley. Yeah. That bit, that that bit, that <laughs> little little ditty, that little line has been in my head since I first saw it. Uh, but the rest of you know, it up, is up until it hasn't been really up until the Ghost of Christmas Present. I had almost no memory of the film, so I think as a child I used to watch it from that bit because that's where the big jolly ghost <laughs> would come in, and that's where it got interesting. So I, I was much more familiar with like the kind of. The second half of the film than the first, but you know it was still it was mm. still pretty good. I did enjoy it. Um, it's an easy Christmas watch. Meant, isn't that it? was my girlfriend disagrees though. So we're talking about our nostalgia <laughs> value, about how we saw it when we were kids and we like it as as adults. Becca had never seen it was as a child and thought it was the shittest thing she's ever seen. I don't think she's watched a minute of Muppets before last night when we watched the film, and she fucking hated it. She sat next. She sat next That's to me thing. for the I've whole never film. Been... Sat next to me for the whole film, and couldn't tell me anything afterwards. She was just on her phone for the whole time. <laughs> like she was not paying the tiniest bit of attention. 
I think probably after the first so where, so period, and it was the great. If, if, I was I was going to say if you had a time index, a rough time index of when she stopped paying attention. Well, she maybe paid attention during the opening credits. You know where it's like zooming back across the rooftops of yeah. London, and then it pans down into a marketplace. Mm-hmm. And there's Muppets that are grapes, or grapes that are Muppets, however you want to say it, that talk and make silly jokes to one another. Uh, I think that was probably where I lost her, to be fair. So maybe about (laughs) three seconds into the film proper, I lost her. Yeah, she turned off straight away. So, not great. But I, to be fair, I have never been a big Muppets fan. Like, there's there's nothing... the, the, The only other Muppets thing that I used to like was... I think it was... Do you remember at the end of, of videotapes, there'd be little samples of other stuff that you can get? An advert, if you will. Trailer. Well, not quite an advert. Not like a clip. It was no, a, a like promotional a, like clip. Like a scene just stuck to the end. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, I think it was at the end of Dumbo, and there was a scene of the Swedish chef from the Muppets trying to make <laughs> spaghetti, and the spaghetti was alive and kept trying to escape, and I found that fucking hilarious. I mean, that does sound style. really funny. But... <laughs> it is really funny, but I, I never, I never watched the Muppets show. Mm. I don't think I've seen Muppets Treasure Island, which I know yeah, was the I think I've one. seen Treasure I might have Island bits once, and pieces maybe twice. So I don't know why I held this uh, Christmas Carol version in such high regard. Maybe just because mm. I watched it so much as a kid. Nostalgia only was probably what uh, made me believe I would enjoy it so much. But you know, it was what it was. As you said before, it was a kids', yeah, kids film, isn't it? it? D- diluted. It's a bit of a... Uh, dulled down a little bit. Watered down to hell. Not dulled down, sorry, but sort of like toned down a little bit so the kids can understand and enjoy it without it being too dark. Yeah, definitely. And there's there's one bit in particular which we'll get to when we get to it, but I think it's pretty pretty universal in every version that I can think of. Um, Should we start with uh, the fact that it's so meta that Charles Dickens is in this narrating it? Yeah. In the film? In the film, anyway, obviously... Well, I mean, I guess he plays the role of the narrator in, in the in Yeah, because he, he well. speaks to you. He's like, he's, he's yeah, addressing... He speaks, he yeah, speaks yeah. to you, and there's, there's a, a, a really nice description of it's uh, Scrooge's nephew, uh, where they're talking about his laugh, and Charles Dickens writes, he's like, oh, if you ever find someone who's got a better laugh than him, introduce him to me, and we're going to yeah. become best friends. <laughs> Basically, he talk. He, yeah. he does talk to you, you as if he's telling you a story. He talks directly yeah. to you, which is really nice. Yeah. I like it. Like at, at first, I thought, I thought it was kind of a general use of the word "you" at first. Like he was saying, "Oh, you know when." He's not saying "you know mm. when." He actually says, "You know, if you can find me, yeah. you feel like he is speaking to you, and it's cool, and you feel and you feel like it's actually Charles Dickens talking to you as well. It's not mm. some and people in the nineteenth uh, century will have felt that as well before." Before I we we came on this call and started this recording, I did my standard three and a half minutes of uh, Wikipedia research. <laughs> That's thirty seconds longer than usual. So <laughs> I'm, I'm getting more professional, um, and it it says on there that uh, he did about 120 odd live performances of it. He read the story, yeah. so you know it, it will actually be him reciting to an audience and saying things yeah. like, "Oh, if you ever find someone who's got a better better laugh than." Is it Frank or something? Frank is that his, his nephew? Fred. Name? Fred. Fred, his nephew. Fred. Yeah. Then, then him introduce him to me and we'll come best mates. And yeah. there, there are certain bits that you could imagine, like the audience, like howling out in laughter. Like I remember before I had started it, you sent me a picture of the description of Scrooge's house, 
where it's like where yeah. you're like, what the <laughs> fuck is this description? Where it, the, the description is something I love that I've got it in front of me. It was for anyone who hasn't read it in a non-page numbered version of the book. It was something. It was something like um, it was. He was going to Scrooge's house, and it said the, the house was was on its own in the middle of nowhere. And you'd be forgiven for thinking that it ran there as a young house and lost its way and couldn't find its way back yeah, and got stuck there. Playing hide and seek with other houses and have forgotten the way out is how how it's described, which is, <laughs> is really funny. And we were both like, who'd have thought Charles Dickens was funny and a good author? I know. But that was way more whimsical than I was expecting. It was so much whimsy and he's got such a good sense of humour. Were you expecting the kind of book that you read in like GCSE... Uh, English that was a bit dry and a bit yeah look for look for all this symbolism not like 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 an older book that's more serious whereas this is an older book that yeah. is it's it's fun really it's a Christmas story like it, it has yeah. to be fun doesn't it otherwise what's the point definitely um, but yeah um, Dickens is played by Gonzo mm-hmm. in the film. And he's, it's kind of, that's meta in itself. In that, I, mean, I guess he doesn't really directly address any of the characters in it, does he? He is a narrator, kind of. I saw I saw the phrase, he's the Greek chorus used, which I quite like. Mm-hmm. He does address the characters. There's uh, there's the bit of the, the joke when uh, Scrooge's head teacher, headmaster, is basically giving him uh, a life lesson. And he goes, oh, it's the American it's way. The and then he goes, oh, it's the <laughs> British way. Yeah, but that's like, that's a joke. I know, Ooh, I know he's talking to, to the character. I know. <laughs> it's it's not like a serious, he's not interacting with the characters in a meaningful way. He's yeah. doing it. He's, he's not influencing the story, is he? Yeah, no, he's no. He's there yeah. to, to sort of give you, uh, to, to move the story along. Yeah. Really. The bit, the, bit, the bit that kind of messed with my head was when he's narrating the part where Scrooge gets back to his house and he's saying... Oh, Scrooge moved through the house, turning on all the lights, and Riz- and they're outside. And Rizzo's like, "How do you know what's going on in there?" And he goes, "I keep trying to tell you. Narrators are omniscient. I know exactly what's going on." <laughs> and I was like, "This is a little bit too like deep for a kids' film." I like. I didn't know what omniscient meant when I, I was. I born. like the bit where uh, in I think it's the same scene where it, what's the rat called? Rizzo, Rizzo the rat. Rizzo. Uh, yeah. the, the, he jumps off the gate because they're trying to get off the gate into Scrooge's courtyard. <laughs> he jumps off yeah. the gate and lands in the snow. And he's like, oh, no, I forgot my jelly beans. And just climbs through the gate because he's so little. He comes back and Gonzo's like, you could get through the gate the whole time. Yeah. You're such an idiot. Yeah. That <laughs> was really was funny. On. I laughed a lot at that. Um, but yeah, he's in it as the narrator. Um, it's a musical Straight off the bat, mm. which I forgot. I, did, I forgot there were so many songs in it, and when obviously there are no songs in the book. What are there? Five, <laughs> there. Six, five or six songs, something like that. Yeah, about each but ghost, quite long and, and some. some each of them ghost has a song. Each ghost has a song. So the Marleys and then the Ghosts of Christmas. There's the introductory one, yeah. and there's the ending one, isn't there? So there's six. Yeah, there's not, not I mean, a there's huge a whole amount soundtrack. of songs. There is one that didn't make the theatrical cut, but made the DVD edit. Yeah, that was on um, that was on the oh, Disney Plus extras. I didn't get around to watching that. I didn't. I didn't watch it either. You just um, took notes. I did. I did. I just took note. It's something that I noticed, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't research it. Uh, I did like though the that first song where Scrooge is walking to work, 
and there's a big emphasis on how cold it is around him. Mm. Because that's a direct reference from the book. It, it basically says something like, wherever Scrooge goes, it felt fucking freezing. Yeah, and the, the cold, know, the cold so had influenced, like the, the cold inside him or something had influenced how he looks. So he looks like gaunt and pointy and spiky, spiky chins and spiky, yeah. you know, lots of And you lots felt of that, like there was, there was gusts of wind and I think some of the words in the song were about how cold it was and it was good. Mm. I did like as well. It was quick, you know, the little mice in the wall. Yeah. That was singing during the song. I can't remember the words that they used, but they used two incorrect, on purpose, um, words for for um, mice. They said mouses, which I think they rhymed with houses. And then they said meese. Which rhymes with and I can't no, cheese, what... no cheeses for us meeses. Yeah, is, that's is the, the one. Song. <laughs> I like that. It was cute. Yeah, they're really cute. It made me go, oh. Yeah. For such little uh, horrible rats. Mm-hmm. Or mice. Meeses. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the cold, the cold, the cold walk was a good interpretation, even though the song was a bit shit. Mm. Uh, and then my main, my main next thing, which actually affects Scrooge's character, is that in his counting house—is that what he calls it? It's like an accountant. Yeah, so it's called the counting house, isn't it? I, I wasn't sure what his job was. I don't think the book ever directly references what his job is. It's other than that he works at a counting house, He's which I assume, if you know what a counting house is tells you what his job is in 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 the muppets he's directly told to be a money lender oh okay um so yeah, i don't, I don't, he, I don't he know talks if that, about mortgages and stuff yes I, I don't know if although actually you know, thinking about it um at the end of the book with the ghost of christmas yet to come takes him to the only people that feel anything for his death and it's people who have yeah. who have let who he's let money and he's died and he's got off and paying the money. So I guess it does tell you that he's a money lender because it tells you he works in a counting house. Yeah. But we're too stupid or uneducated <laughs> to realise that no, counting house is no, where we're just we're just out we're not from that time period, Pete. That's that's our excuse. Yeah. Yeah, we're not that much we're not that boomerish. Uh, but yeah, the fact that in his counting house or money lending house, whatever you want to call it. He has Bob Cratchit as his only employee in the book because he's so frugal and he doesn't want to pay anyone else. Mm. And he's got an army of mice or rats. Yeah. So he's got he's got about twenty employees in the Muppets version, which there's no way he'd pay their wages. No. No. Regardless of them being no wages for pieces. But that annoyed me a little bit. I did like the uh, eternal struggle over coal. That was yeah. straight from the book as well. But he gives him, doesn't he give him one piece of coal in the book? And Bob yeah, catches it, like, like he's got stokes the shit out of it. He's like, proper frugal flame. It's like not even worth the energy that, it, that it's burning yeah. or something. But even Scrooge is like he... that. It's not like Scrooge is sitting in front of a roaring fire. Uh, even Scrooge has only got no, like yeah. five bits of coal. He's, he's so miserly and cheap. Yeah, I think it says a few times in the book that he likes darkness because it's cheap. Because it's cheap, yeah. Like he's. And he's he's not bothered about being warm or being able to see because he's not spending money. Yeah, and in the book he just wraps up with blankets on his wing back in front of his smallish fire. Um, oh yeah, he did, didn't he? Mm. That was a thing as well. Cratchit is described as wearing a comforter. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, that's like a duvet. Yeah, I thought that was like an American term for for a duvet, but I I don't know. Maybe it's like. Maybe, maybe that is what maybe he's walking around with a comforter, like a, a duvet. Yeah, or maybe it's, that's what I imagined. Yeah, because because he, he's poor, so he can't afford a coat. But I imagine you can make a blanket for you know out of scrap pieces of material. Mm. 
But presumably, uh, so, yeah, I didn't really know what, what it meant other than something to keep him warm. There yeah. wasn't a big I just, proper coat that you might expect. I just imagine a big time. raggedy old, like smelly blanket that he wrapped around himself to walk places, which made him sound as destitute as I think he was meant to sound. Whereas Bob Cratchit in Kermit's portrayal mm. looks quite uh, quite well dressed by comparison. Yeah, I thought that was some interesting ca- casting as well because at no point in a Christmas Carol does it say what Bob Cratchit looks like, but I like the director's choice to hire a frog <laughs> to play Bob Cratchit. I thought that was nice and inclusive. <laughs> Kermit, the frog, does quite a quite a good job of acting, to be fair. You don't see many frog actors. Amphibians are being represented in, in Hollywood as far back as 1992. Mm. Mm. Night diversity's so, come a long way yeah. since 1846 or whenever this came out. 1842. And then we've got Fred's visit and the two portly gentlemen. Fred's pretty much as I imagined him, probably a bit younger. Mm. Yeah, because I, I, I thought Scrooge was like 60 odd, 80 odd. And then and then it, he, he, he could be like 20. Yeah, they're, sorry. Yeah. The, the, the nephew could be about 20, and you'd think he would be closer to like 40 or something. But I did struggle with seeing. Scrooge's face in the head because I've seen so many versions of the story that it kept flicking between Michael Caine hmm. ca- kind of how and then my version of how I see him and then the kind of CGI version of him from the Jim Carrey one yeah so it became, became a kind of amalgamation of all the different Scrooges I've ever seen oh dear that sounds horrifying it, because it's was it as horrifying a, as the CG on the face of the ghost of Christmas past <laughs> that makes it creepier though, do you not think? Yeah, it was just horrifying. And that was the only bit that I managed to get Becca's attention back where I was like, oh my god, look how hor- horrifying that is. And she went, she looked up from her phone for a second and went, ugh. And then went back down to her phone. And that was the one <laughs> interest she showed in the film. Well, at least you got something out of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the two portly gentlemen come in who are played by, uh, in the in the Muppets film, Dr. Bunsen and Beaker. Beaker. My favourite. Who's just... Sh- yeah, like, I was giggling to myself when Beaker was doing that and Becca was looking over me, at me like I was an idiot. And Beaker went, did, like, his... And Becca looked over me and I just turned around in my giggle and just went... Right back at her. <laughs> but they're not portly enough, is my... Is my Particularly Beaker. Particularly Beaker. Particularly Beaker. The other one yeah, is, he is probably he is, portly enough. He is the antithesis... And- Tithesis mm, of Portly. Of, uh, of, of Portly. He's just Never a, Portly. A long, a long thin measuring cylinder, not a beaker. And then the, there's a bit in the book which felt very... <laughs> did you like that one? It, it felt very Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I feel like they could have put it in the film, but for whatever reason they didn't, just where Fred's like, come on, Uncle, and he just goes, good afternoon. And he's like, oh, well, what if I... Good afternoon! <laughs> and he said... And he says it about five times, and I was like, that would have been funny to have my to have my, um, Michael Caine do that. And for whatever reason, they didn't do yeah. it. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was a there was a. Well, I'll save it for the end, but there was a bit at the end of the book that I thought would have been a really funny uh, scene to have in the film that they didn't do. But we'll save that for later. Okay. That's a little little. If tease. you remember, Go on, say it now because we might not remember. Oh, that's very true. We, we I, I am actually <laughs> nearly at the end of this first Bailey, so. You are a no. pint of Bailey's down yeah, by this point. Definitely. Um, it, you know the, the scene at the end when um, it is Boxing Day 
and uh, Bob Cratchit's coming into work and Scrooge is he's all happy and he's excited he's, he's a good guy now and Bob Cratchit's yeah. like 19 minutes late to work or something and Scrooge is like I'm going to have so much fucking fun with this and he's sitting <laughs> at the back and he's like uh, why are you here so late and Cratchit's like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry we went a bit he- we went a bit hard yesterday I'm so sorry it's only one day a year I'm so sorry and he's like he's at the back and he's like well there's only one thing that we can do about it then isn't there and that's give you a pay rise <laughs> And I thought that would have been a really funny scene to have. Obviously, acted much better he, he than does, how I acted it. He does. He does do that in the Muppets film, but he but he goes to his house on Christmas Day and does it to his face. Oh, does he? There. Maybe I tuned out at that yeah. point. I was four rooms deep when I watched it, so maybe I yeah, tuned and, out. And Miss bit. Miss Piggy or Emily Emily Piggy mm. is um is like jumping like ah why I ought to give you a piece of mine? And he goes, and there's only one thing we can do is raise your salary. And she's like, well, I d- what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't so remember that bit. Maybe that like, was taking a swig of rum. Who knows? Yeah, you were uh, you were taken after Becca at that point and just ignoring what was going mm. on. But I think what was quite cool is there's a part in the book where Carilla comes to the door and starts, well, very briefly starts singing through the keyhole and then sees Scrooge and goes, oh, shit, and runs <laughs> Maybe off. That. Wrong house. Yeah, but you don't see... Well, as far as we know, you don't see that Caroler for the rest of the book. Whereas mm. in the Muppets film, it's it's Bean Bunny, uh, who is the Christmas Caroler, who sings most of a Christmas Carol, and then is like, is he kicked by a Scrooge like away? He does something really mean to, yeah. him, to get away from him. He um, he tells him to leave, and then he just gets really angry about something and throws a Christmas wreath at him. Yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> I know he does something uh, fairly violent. Um, but then there's a nice bit of parody in that the Bean Bunny is also the little boy at the end who was the. Yeah, what today is Christmas day. day? What's today, sir? So, it, so, so uh, it could be canon in in Dickensian canon. That's also mm. the Caroler. Yeah, but very not. true. On the the sort of um, that that first bit that you're talking about in uh, in Scrooge's counting house, I made a note that again it might be wrong because I was drinking rum while I was watching the Christmas Carol, um, <laughs> where it, it seems to me. Like in how Michael in how Michael Caine portrays Scrooge is Michael Caine Scrooge kind of like revels in being bad, like he does mean things and then smiles about it and he's happy about it. Whereas Scrooge in the book, yeah. he's just he's just angry for no reason and he doesn't revel in it. He's just angry and he's just a bit sad. Yeah, and he's he's um, whereas Michael like he he does something like two things I think in that counting house scene that are just, like, bad for the sake of being bad, one of which is throwing the the, um, the wreath at the, wreath. At, at the bunny. Yeah. I can't remember what the other one is, but I, I made a note on my phone then, and I was like, it just seems like he's he's reveling in being evil in in this, which which doesn't seem to be very Scrooge-like. Yeah. Who isn't evil, he's just sad. Yeah, I mean, I think they have to make it more obvious in the Muppets film, mm. because it's... Because it's a kid's story, they have to make him seem like the bad guy. Even though he's not particularly the bad guy in the book, he's just lonely and frugal and and selfish. And he needs guidance to to not be like that anymore. Mm. He has to be the bad guy so that at the end when he's nice and jovial and singing along, all the kids are like, Scrooge is nice now! So yeah, I don't think you have to show that he's being bad a little bit more in a film. You have to show if you show things yeah. more than you would in a in a book. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get that point. Um, and then when Cratchit comes in in the book to ask for Christmas off, 
I feel like Scrooge is kind of, he's not happy with it, but he kind of goes, you may as well have it then. Mm. Like he kind of gives gives up a lot quicker. Because yeah. it uses the same line in the film, it's a poor excuse to pick a man's pocket every 25th of December. Yeah. Whereas in the film, he kind of, he, he, he resists it a lot more, and he's like, oh, no, you're not having tomorrow off. Yeah. He's like, but sir, it's only Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah, basically, I made that note as well. The, the, the discussion about having Christmas Day off was much more, fine, you can have Christmas Day off in the book, whereas in the film it's kind of like, no, you're not having Christmas Day off. You can come in half an hour later. Yeah. Please. And then he's angry about it. Fine, fine. <laughs> humbug. Or whatever he says. He uses humbug so much in the film. And he like, uses it about three times in the book, doesn't he? In that first, the yeah. first chapter the first stanza where it's like he's like passing, passing people in the street in the film going hey what's up bah humbug <laughs> to everyone he goes past in the street like Spider-Man in Spider-Man 3 he's pointing at people walking yeah. down the street humbug he humbug he, sl- he slides up to someone and goes bah humbug <laughs> and you <they> go ugh <laughs> oh, I want that scene so badly <laughs> that can be another one of our parody scenes that we film along with the uh, Mr. Blue Sky Harry Potter yes um crossover that we did in, in that hmm. episode uh, and then you get to well he leaves work doesn't he, he well it, it, he leaves and you get the shit Muppet song can't even remember it it was that bad uh, it's something um, uh, it's about the one more sleep till Christmas that one. Oh yeah <laughs> one more sleep till Christmas yeah yeah, I did, yeah that one wasn't too bad actually I didn't mind that one too much now that I've reminded you about it it's not memorable yeah. but it's now not bad no now that I know it. Um, yeah, there were worse ones. It was a little bit too long and boring, but it was okay. Um, and then I've already said my next note. Scrooge says humbug too much. <laughs> and then they get to his house, which is, it ran there when it was a young house. Can't remember the way out. Mm, play hide and seek. Which I, I, I imagined that house in the book to be like out of the city. Like, like a 10 minute walk through like rural areas and there's no one else around him. Because that's the way it's described. Where it's just a terrace in the middle of London in in the Muppets. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it's isolated. The way that I read it in the book was that it was playing hide and seek with the with the other buildings. So it was it was hidden away behind other buildings, like a smaller building surrounded by bigger buildings. In like that, that's how I read it. I didn't read it out yeah. in the sticks or out in the countryside or anything. But yeah, you're right. It is just like a a, ter- a big terraced house in the in, yeah. the in the Muppets film. It wasn't as it. Like, it gets well, a big paragraph of description in the book, and it, it it doesn't really get that justice in the film. It's just a house. But short, short of a kind of a MTV Cribs montage, you're not going to get that kind of level of coverage of the house in the film. <laughs> like, hey, I'm Scrooge. This is my crib. This is my dark staircase. I woke up with my candle. But yeah, saying that, when you get, when, when you get into the building, I thought how it looked in the film was exactly how I saw it in my head. Mm-hmm. I thought it was yeah. really well, uh, really well put together. The, the the staircase was on the right side. He turned right at the top of the stairs to get into his um, apartment. The layout was similar. I thought it was uh, accurate to say so the you're, least. You're, you're, at least it got the interior of the house right, eh? Yes. If the exterior is wrong, at, at least, least you can nail the interior. Um, and then it's you've got the Marley. Yes, that's true. That's a very festive, nice, warm sentiment. It is the Christmas episode. So maybe that's why. Maybe that's why you're being nice. 
Maybe. <laughs> uh, two Marlies versus one Marley as an excuse to use the angry gentleman. Yeah, the, I guess. the hecklers. Yeah, or whatever. Can't remember the names. Me neither. Yeah. So you've got Jacob Marley, who is Scrooge's business partner at the counting house in the book. But they couldn't just have one angry gentleman, so they have... Is it Robert Marley? Yeah, I think Robert Marley's the other one that they've created. Marley and Marley. 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 Uh, It was, you know, this this is where the first shortfall comes, I think, of it being a Muppets film, in that when Marley appears... In the Dickens book, it's scary. Mm, it's creepy. In yeah, yeah, he comes. He comes in moaning with this chain made of what is it? It's like money and chests and stuff because he was greedy like Scrooge, mm. and he's moaning and he's got this. He's got this bandage holding his jaw on, and he takes a, the bandage off at one point, and his jaw falls yeah. off into his lap. And, and I was like, this is a fucking horror yeah. story at this point. But you obviously can't do that in a Muppets film because it's, a, it's a, so. That's where the kind of horror of of the original is watered down for the first time. Yeah, and it becomes sort of like a parody. It be- yeah, it becomes like intentionally shitty, creepy. If if you get what I mean, mm. like it, it's almost like yeah. the, the directors and screenwriters are like, right, we're not going to be able to do like a really creepy, horrible scene, but let's make it so not creepy that it's funny. Yeah, let's go so far the other way that people don't feel like they're missing anything. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree with that. Doesn't make it any better. No, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's okay. You know, it's it, it is definitely a Muppet scene. We can we can we can yeah. say that with absolute certainty <laughs> that it is a scene in a Muppet. One hundred percent fact, right and, there. And what's what's missing from that, which obviously they couldn't have put in, is there's a point where. Marley appears and Scrooge is like panicking and obviously he's a, I think he tries to stay composed as not he in the book but he's obviously very very scared and he goes and looks out the window once Marley's said you know if you're not if you're not nice this will happen to you yeah. obviously much more artistically put <laughs> but he goes and looks out the window and there's, there's other ghosts just kind of walking the earth with chains yeah. and groaning and looking miserable and it's like that is a horrible yeah, thought which, which I, I, took, I took to mean that that was other spirits visiting other people meaning that other ghosts of Christmas past and other ghosts of Christmas presents and yet to come were oh. visiting other people around the city that's how I took it to mean it wasn't I didn't I didn't read it as as just random ghosts walking around town I read it as kind of other people's Jacob Marley's are visiting them, warning them yeah. that these spirits are going to come to visit them, and they need to change their ways, otherwise they'll end up with the chains. That's how I took it. I didn't. Whether I'm right or no, wrong, yeah, that's I didn't, how I took that, it. That's a very um, insightful way to look at it. I hadn't thought of that at all. I ju- I just seen it as those ghosts are always there, and for what for whatever reason, Jacob Marley has been able to become visible to Scrooge. Maybe because he's on. He's on the edge of being completely irretrievable. He needs to change somehow. Mm. And Marley's taken it upon himself to go, I'm going to go and scare him so that he can change. Yeah. But I, re- I really like your explanation. Yeah. But why all on the same night? That's what I'm confused Because about. it's it's Christmas Eve and the ghosts that are going to visit them are the ghosts of Christmas past, present and yet to come. That's 
So not every not everyone in London gets a Marley every Christmas Eve. Only select ones. Only the bad ones, need yeah. The, moral the ones that the ones that need putting back on the right course. Yeah, is how I took it. What what it does what it does hint at though is if you watch The Good Place. No, you asked me this. No, it's it's like every fifth question out of your mouth. You always ask me that, <laughs> and I always say no. Okay. Well, it's relevant this time. So, in the good place, when they die, they go to either the good place or the bad place, depending on how they've been in their life. And sometimes they go to the bad place when they're about to do something so good that it will redeem them completely. And I think what what Charles Dickens is saying in this scene is a little bit. I can't think of the word I'm trying to trying to come up with. But basically, what he's saying is is that if if Scrooge wasn't visited by Marley that night and then he died the next night, he would have died selfish. So he would have ended up walking around in chains and being miserable and stuff. Yeah. But because he got this because he got this chance of Marley coming to see him and correcting his ways, suddenly then he's a good guy. So he should never really have been put in chains in the first place because he always had the chance or the, the potential the to change and redeem himself. I feel that I think Jacob Marley says it that so obviously the the, the, for, the chains are forged with the deeds that they do when they're alive. So you, like you yeah. said, if Scrooge had died just like that, then he'd have been a ghost with chains. But then he becomes a good guy or a happy person uh, for the Boxing Day. But then still, if he had died on that Boxing Day, he still would have had all those chains, maybe one or two less because of the good deeds that he had over that yeah. Christmas. And so throughout, now that he's happy and he can... Uh, be good and have good deeds and be like a second father to Tiny Tim and all these things. Slowly, those chains that would have, uh, those chains so that would like have, a quick no, fix, I guess. those chains that would have uh, uh, encumbered him in death. He's breaking them with his good deeds slowly. I think. I, yeah. th- I think that's what it is. That's my interpretation of it anyway. I just saw it as they they scare him so badly about what could happen to him and show him everything he's done wrong, that they put him so strongly on another path that they then trust him and believe him to go, okay, that's him, he's changed now. He's going to be this better person. Um, And then from then on, if he died that day, he wouldn't be walking the earth anymore because he's fundamentally changed as a person by this experience. I think he's fundamentally changed, yes, but he'd still carry around the chains that he forged with his previous actions in life. That what one good deed so doesn't erase all the other good, all the other bad the deeds that he did. However, a hundred good deeds is, I, I think, a hundred good deeds can is can, better. A hundred good <laughs> deeds can fix one hundred bad deeds. Kind of that kind of idea. Not one good deed for a hundred bad deeds. I don't think it's a I one think, one night I think, fix. I, I think we're holding Charles Dickens. Um, up too close to current day law of stories. This, none of this might be what he was thinking. I, it's just a discussion, isn't it? It's the, the point of, of books like this. Like every author... It, That's true. Whatever, everything that we've said has already yeah, been Yeah, whatever you joke you. about in when you're 15 in, in the playground about how the author's never meant read to mean that a character is angry or green to mean that a character is intelligent or anything like that. The author did. Everything that the author puts in a book is intentional to be a symbol a symbol of something or to evoke something. So I think yeah. we're not holding him too high up to 
up to, up to anything. I think that these are all discussions that happen about every book, really. Yeah, that's right. Did you, did you see the argument about... We will move on soon, because at this point we're just analysing <laughs> Charles Dickens' version. But did you, did you see the... Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's an age-old debate going on about whether the story is like a Christian allegory about repenting and redemption and becoming better in, in I guess, in God's eyes as a person, if you're that way inclined, uh, or whether it is just a festive story of personal um, improvement, you know, learning to be more generous, or whether there is a religious undertone to it or not. I think there's a religious undertone to it, yeah. Because uh, Dickens himself apparently was had a complicated relationship with religion, but it doesn't necessarily mean he wasn't religious. It doesn't mean that he, he didn't have Christian values, because I think even even nowadays people have Christian values, but that's just because Christian values yeah, is yeah. just common decency. Part of history. And yeah, common yeah. decency for a lot of it, because Christian values are really well re- well written <laughs> to just be a fucking good person, yeah. frankly. Um, yeah. Don't kill Don't kill people. Don't sleep with your brother's wife. Don't steal. Basically. All the easy... All the know, easy good things decisions. to do are Christian values. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, so I, I do think there's a there's a religious element to it. And I think the, the overall, at least to me anyway, the way that I took it, the overall message is that nobody is irredeemable. Uh, the mm-hmm. chains that you forge in life through your bad deeds can be fixed. No matter how many chains you've got, as long as you start doing good stuff, it's, it's never it's too fixable. late. It's never too late, yeah. And nobody's so bad yeah. that you're irredeemable. But then this was written before Hitler was a, a thing, so maybe. <laughs> I was about, maybe people I was about are. to use Hitler, but you know, it feels like a bit of an overused comparison. But yeah, Hitler would be having chains for chains for days. And probably would never get, probably never get rid of them. Uh, so yeah, he's beyond redemption. Uh, the two, yeah. So two Marleys, not scary. Shouldn't be two. Missing other ghosts. This is another thing. So just before the ghost of Christmas past shows up, whose appearance was inconsistent for me anyway, but the 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 timings of the ghosts confused me in the yeah. book. Did they all did they all come at different one a.m.s? Because that's what it that's kind of how it was worded. The, the way that I remember reading it in the book was Jacob Marley tells him that the first ghost or the first spirit will visit you at 1am and then the next yeah. spirit will visit you the next day at 2am I think it was and then the next spirit will visit well, you the next day at 3am and you're right it doesn't make sense but I think it showed theoretically the ghost of Christmas it's on Christmas Eve but, but the ghost of Christmas present can't show him this Christmas if it is if it has if it's not happening if it's not happening because otherwise he's the ghost of Christmas yet to come or the ghost of Christmas. Past. I had that gripe as well. I had that gripe too. So what is the Christmas ghost of Christmas present showing him? Is he, he can't be showing that, him the Christmas that, day that's gonna. That is that is the the Christmas that they have without Scrooge. So that is the Christmas that uh, his nephew has if he doesn't show up to his house. And it's the Christmas that Bob Cratchit has if Scrooge doesn't get him the big turkey, I think, or the big goose. So he's only the ghost of Christmas present as far as it's within the next 24 hours and it's not even set in stone. Well, it's the Christmas... I don't know. 
I don't know. But you, you're right, it confused me a little bit as well because... I thought it was over we're, three we're, separate we're putting nights. Too much, we're, put, we're putting too much sci-fi logic into it. <laughs> I think it was but over yeah, three the, different the, nights, but as it turns out, maybe, maybe it was over three different nights, but then the ghost of, but then he goes back to the Christmas morning to redeem himself. I don't think it was over three, three different nights because it's gone Christmas Eve and he goes to bed that night. And The way I read it in the book was that, he, that like it, it keeps being 1am and every 1am a different... Yeah, ghost shows up. Whereas in the Muppets one, I don't think you get any kind of reference of time as to when they show up. They just show up one yeah. after another. Because he, he sits there in his, in his bed in the in the Dickens book and waits for the, he counts the bells. Yeah, yeah, and then he panics when it gets to twelve and then it doesn't show up. So then he waits for one, then he waits for two, then he waits for three, and it's it's a bit all over the place. There probably is a logic to it, but I missed it if it's there. Yeah, but yeah, maybe maybe we go back to the conversation that we had before, and maybe we are putting. I don't know that we are putting a bit too too much into this. This was really released as a serial, wasn't it? So it was, was it released monthly in newspapers? I didn't see anything about that. I, I I saw that it was released as a first edition, and he was just implying it was he was insistent that everything should be really nicely printed and it should be really high quality. And they tried to talk him out of it, but as a result, he he made money off it, but he didn't make as much as he mm. thought he would because he spent too much money on. Production costs of the book. I didn't I'm see anything about it being released in these. Have a look, just to okay. Just to see. Well, while you're looking at that, the 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 ghost of Christmas past when he she it shows up. I couldn't really work out agenda. Oh no, you're right. It was it was just um, it was just published on the 19th of December of that year. Yeah, no, it was just a book. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, and it sold out by Christmas Eve, if I recall. Um, but the ghost of Christmas past in the book sounded fucking terrifying. <laughs> it was such a confusing the, description. The, the, the only thing I can remember is yeah, it was it, a baby. It was like, it, yeah, it was it was kind of like a kind of child size, old face, a baby faced, long old white hair with long fingers and, and big feet, and then a light shining at the top of its head. And I was like, that I would not be sticking around if I showed up <laughs> in my bedroom at one a.m. I'd be somewhere else. <laughs> I jump out of bed when my bathrobe's a, a, a weird shape on the wall, <laughs> which happens in this as well, actually, doesn't it? Doesn't he panic? Oh, in the, in the film, in he... the film, yeah, he comes home. No, in the in the in, it's from the book. Is too. it? And he attacks. Yeah, because he because he, he, he says dress. he says the bathrobe is extra threatening or, or or suspicious or something. That it's a really it's a really funny uh, phrase and he uses for it. And he he puts it on the floor and kicks it and he goes oh, and speaks to himself like oh no that wasn't anything worth worrying about. But yeah, the, and then the ghost of Christmas past in, in the film, in the Muppets film, is pretty scary. Like, but there's no light shining at the top of its head. I think it's scary because the the, the CG for her face is just so shit. Like, so blank. It, it, she looks. She it's looks like, like they've they've seen South Park. How South Park do the Canadians, <laughs> and they've decided to use that as a reference to make her face. Because the way her mouth moves is like how the Canadians move. Like her face doesn't come apart, like, yeah. but it's like one mouth movement for any sound that her mouth makes. So it's like <laughs> for your benefit, that. Dan, because the other the, the listeners won't be able to see. But it's like for whatever word okay, she sure. says is for anything that um, she's saying. Is now looking like a goldfish. <laughs> yeah, basically, I was just being a goldfish. Um, however, <laughs> even though her face was creepy as balls, I did make a note. The, the the effects on her cloak is really cool. Like the wavy sort yeah, of floaty good, it? is it smoke, is it is she floating like it's in water? Was 
yeah. really cool. I really like that. And for, even though it was obviously like superimposed over scene, for 1992, I think that's really, really cool. The effects that they there's have. There's some really good special effects in this film. Yeah, there's loads. Like the like the way you see Kermit walking along, singing with Tammy Tim, Tiny Tim, and it looks yeah. like an autonomous frog that's just walking without but any then there kind is a of shit human one intervention. During the one more sleep till Christmas song, where he does the ice skating and he does the little flip, and it's like, oh yeah, no, this is 1992. This is not great CGI. <laughs> I don't think it was. I don't think it was that bad. I thought all of it was done really well. There wasn't any bit that made me go, "Oh shit, that's a that doesn't age." I mean, let's be honest. It, it wasn't a big budget blockbuster, so like, I don't think any of the effects of what 1992 special effects had to offer. I think it was no, yeah, you true. know, but but they did some well. were, some were really good, especially especially that uh, that the Clyde thought for for the Ghost of Christmas Past. Well, that was really good. Yeah, it was good. Um, do you think that because obviously there's a lot of iterations of this story, but in every one, the ghost of Christmas past is always the most kind of traditional ghost, like it's always like translucent, mm. um, much more what you think of when you think of a ghost rather than the kind of like solid spirits of the of the present yeah. But then the, the ghost of Christmas yet to come is quite ghostly. Because it's it's basically a Dementor or a from Harry Potter or a Nazgul from the Lord of the Rings films, basically. That that's yeah, but but he's not ho- but he's not hovering or anything like no. that. No, it it looks like a demon rather than a ghost. Yeah, 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 or a, yeah, or a spectre. The one of Christmas Past or the ghost of Christmas mm. Past is uh, always seen as a traditional ghost because it's meant. I think it's meant to seem like scurry straight off the bat. Like you, your first ghost is here. Here's a ghost, and it has to be really recognisable yeah, as a ghost. I thought more, not so much scary for Christmas Past, but more unsettling. Like, the description was all over the place, like we both said. Like, the only bit of the description that I remember is that it, she was a baby. You, you've you obviously remembered more or written down more of the description, but I think it's more unsettling. And in the film, I think she's yeah. supposed to be a bit more unsettling because she's a weird baby that floats. And has this ethereal yeah. voice, like it's un- it's unsettling, I think more than scary personally. But I do take yeah. your point. I get it. But but it's not you know it's not it's not comfortable to watch yeah. it, it, in in any in any way. Um, I, f- I found the original illustration actually from like the first edition, and it's fucking terrifying. Is it? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's really. I'll send it you in a bit, but it, it's really. Uh, it you have to put that on, uh, on the, the Instagram as well, which is at Tell Me Again Pod. For, for all you listeners on Facebook, on Facebook as and well. Instagram. Um, the ghosts of Christmas past, what it shows them. Um, it's not that much, is it? It's it's it shows. I disagree. Like, I I think it... I'm not saying it's not important, but like I think he see he sees more in the present and future. I th- but I think you I think him, what I think what Bell, he sees Bell in the past though, what he sees in the past influences him more. It's like. But the, the what the the Christmas past shows him sort of is the foundation for all of the changes that he basically when he sees Tiny Tim that's the big change in him where he starts giving a shit about Tiny Tim, who previously in the book he'd said that people like Tiny Tim should go and live in the poor houses or the jails, but he all of a sudden starts yeah. giving a shit about Tiny Tim, but that wouldn't have happened. But that's not in the past, is it? Isn't no, is that, it? No, so, so that that's the present. But that change of character wouldn't have happened. 
if the ghost of Christmas past hadn't beaten him on the fucking head with all the sad shit that happened in his life previously. Um, the ghost of see, I disagree. I, I think everything. I think everything he sees in the past, in both both of the film and in the book, he almost shrugs off because he's like, "Well, that's happened. You know, show me what will happen if I don't change." I, I don't. I, I think. I think he takes it on board, and he's a little bit kind of upset by it because obviously Marley's gone. Mm. Keep going to this with an open mind, but he's. I don't think he's as as uh, receptive at that point. I think he's seen it and gone, "Yeah, I know this happened, and it was unfortunate, and I regret it." Like Bell mm. leaving him because he was too greedy. Um, and he, but it, it's kind of like a bright. Um, no, I, well. I disagree. Is, 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 staff, is staff party at Fezziwigs as well? I, I, for the most part, I completely disagree. So the first thing that she takes him to is this, his boarding school, basically. And as soon as he gets to his boarding school, he becomes so happy, and he's like, "Oh, I remember this. I remember that. I remember this," because uh, he's like back to being a child again before he became dead, cold, and moody and distant and overtaken by money and there's a uh, his sister comes to take him home his sister gets cut from the Muppets Christmas Carol his sister comes to take him home and he see, when he sees his little baby his, his, I think it's a younger sister I think she's described as his younger yeah, sister yeah Fan her name is what's her name? Fan yeah when he sees his younger sister because I'm assuming that his sister's dead by the time the, the yeah, present she dead. Is. She is. I can't. I couldn't remember she, 100%. She's, I mean, she's the next. She's yeah, Fred's mum. Yeah. So I was assuming that she was dead, and he sees his baby sister, and that that that's like the first crack, the first big crack in his exterior. And then he goes to Fezziwig's party, and he sees what he was like. Oh, oh. So go on. Fezziwig, not Fezziwig. That, that, that's that that's Muppets. That, that isn't it. He goes to no, no. Fozzy is the Fozzie, Muppet one, but I, I just I, I hate the fact that they put fucking Fozzy Bear in this just so that they, they could make that shit pun <laughs> <laughs> of making Fezziwig, which is a ridiculous name yeah. in itself. But they get to call Fozzie him Wig. Fozziwig, <laughs> and he works and he works in the fucking rubber chicken factory. That was the most pointless addition to the whole. An film. animal and but the Swedish chefs there, and all the, all the supporting cast that didn't yeah. quite make it. Into the cameo, make it into the Muppets Christmas Carol. There, anyway. Um, so he goes yeah. to Bessie Wig's Christmas party and he sees how he was. He sees that he used to be a happy, normal guy, basically. That party looks off yeah, the chain as well. Off the, the fucking tits, man. Sounds fun in the book, but it what looks a better in party the, that would have been to go to. But yeah. it shows him how good, how happy, how quote normal a person he was back then. Yeah. Switch. Now, in in the Muppets Christmas Carol, he meets Belle at that party, and I understand why he meets her there because you know it kind of shows that he meets her at the party, and then time yeah, passes. You have to see them meet. Yeah, and time passes, and I I don't think you do. You see, you see them meet no. in the book, or do you read about no. them? Don't you? Don't you it, just it, see it, Yeah. So it, it ju- basically, Fezziwig's party ends, and it jumps to the next scene where Belle's breaking up with him. They've been engaged for ages, but Belle is telling him that he doesn't love her anymore he only loves making money uh, no I don't think he does it, that, that, it, it, that's not quite how it goes I think in, in both versions she's trying to basically say oh when are we going to do this or you know when are we going to get married when are we going to have kids and all that kind of stuff and all I, I think he does love Belle but the fact that he's so obsessed with money as well is too much for her to mm. ignore and the fact that he comes across as so greedy and so obsessed, so obsessed with, oh, you know, we'll, we'll do this or we'll get married when I finish this project and have X amount of money, and, it, and that overrides 
how he feels. Well, about I feel it. that that what you just said is is the Muppets Christmas Carol where. Bell is saying, oh, you don't love me anymore, you're just trying to make money. And Scrooge is saying, oh, well, the markets are bad, my investments are bad, uh, we can't get married until we've got money, until we're rich. And then that motivation is different in the book, where Bell doesn't really give him too much of an opportunity to speak. She basically just says, you used to love me, but you don't love me now. And I don't like who you are now, so I'm going to fuck off, and I'm going to go. Is essentially what she is essentially what she says, and that breaks in the game. But, but they're both. But they both. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not, it's not mutual. Greed. Just because Scrooge doesn't argue back doesn't mean that it's mutual, kind of thing. Like, yeah. and that's a big breaking point for him. And then maybe one like this was cut from the Muppets Christmas Carol, but it's in obviously the book where he sees Belle happy with her family. And that is just fucking it. He's fucking sad mess at that point. Because he sees what he could have had. He could have been the happy husband coming home. But he chose yeah, yeah. another path that has ended him on the road that he is now. The sad, miserly... I don't, I, I don't see man. why they did have to leave that out of the Muppet I think film. It's too that would have been I think, it's, a good I, I think it would have been a good inclusion. I'd have loved to have seen it. Because I think that's it's it's necessary. Versions, it's like... almost like the ghost... It's, it's almost like... Uh, Scrooge is a building and the ghost of Christmas past is just fucking twatting him with a wrecking ball and then the yeah. last re- the last wrecking ball hit is seeing Belle happy with her family and seeing how happy he could have been and that fucking smashes like in um, Stay Together for the Kids video that just smashes the fucking house down <laughs> like and that's just it then and I'd yeah. have loved for that to be in the film but it's not because it's a kids film and it's a bit sad I think I think I th- I think the, the the kind of thing we're getting caught up on here is that we're obviously talking about the Muppets film because that's the one we've chosen to compare it to because it's the most other end of the spectrum to mm. what the original was. But obviously there are more quote-unquote respected versions of, of, of this made into a film. And I was going to watch other versions of it as kind of comparison but you know what i thought would happen i thought we i'd get a um, girl with a dragon tattoo syndrome and start confusing them all <laughs> you absolutely would i know exactly how your brain works and, and i would have got confused i would have done I, w- I would have started so in the bit in the cgi film uh, uh, in the muppets where jim curry comes in and it would have gone uh, it would have gone in one ear out the other and then back round to the one but distorted exactly but yeah okay but, yeah, but I, that sort of takes that sort I of then agree. takes me back to the, the original point that we made where you were saying that the ghost of Christmas past doesn't show him much, and I think she absolutely does. I think she shows him the most and some of the most important stuff that Scrooge sees to yeah, change in, his character. In, in the book, is she does what he she shows in the book. Him in the book. In the, yeah, but in the in the film, it's not as important as the other two. That's the point I was making. Maybe, maybe thematically it is, but but and, and maybe because we know the source material. But if you if you, if your only exposure to this story is through the Muppet Christmas Carol, it's not as hard hitting as as the as the Charles Dickens what book. Yeah, you just see him meet a girl and break up with her, which happens to everyone. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't see how close they get to, you know, that kind of traditional family mm. life that you know you don't even know that he wants until until he sees what he could basically have had. work it out. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, but yeah, I get, I, I, it is important, but it's it's just made more important in the book. It's a little bit fluffy, in the yeah, the, it, his sort of character change sort of happens in the in the film. I think quite suddenly when he sees Tiny Tim, 
which yeah. it's, it's it's a gradual sort of change in character in the book, and then it culminates in him seeing Tiny Tim and asking, yeah. "Tell me, Spirit, does Tiny Tim live?" Uh, which is an important but question that, for him to but ask. Before we get to, but before we get to that, he returns back to his bed after his visit with the ghost of Christmas Past, which happens in both versions. He always comes back to his bed in between. Mm-hmm. The spirits visits. There's also just before uh, we move on, I've just co- looked at my notes. Sorry, on the the scene with Scrooge's sister picking him up at school, it mentions that Scrooge has an abusive father, where like dads, where where the sisters like, oh, dad's happy now, <laughs> kind of thing. Like he didn't hit me or yeah. whatever, which I think informs. Woo-hoo! Yeah, woohoo! Amazing. That's poor poor Bailey's, uh, which I think again informs his character and why he is the way mm-hmm. that he is. I think. As well, but you can't put that in a Muppets film. But you cannot put that in a Muppets film. You're right. So he just Unless seems like it. he just seems like he, he seems greedy for the sake of being greedy in the Muppets film. Whereas in the yeah. book, he finds something to occupy him, uh, which is the money. Yeah. He finds, oh, I'm good at money. That's what I'm going to yeah. zero in on. And it turns out that being good at money means that he's shit at being a nice person. It's facts and figures, and it? it's predictable. He knows exactly. Um, you know, how many pennies are in a pound or whatever. They, that was, this was pre-decimalisation, yeah. I'm assuming. And how many shillings are in um, a sixpence. In... Or the other way around. Who knows? I don't. Oh, the other way around. <laughs> I say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's maths, and maths always has a correct answer. Mm-hmm. So he probably put himself into that. Um, but we'll stop analysing the subtext. Because we've done a lot. Because if we wanted to analyse subtext, we'd have picked a serious Christmas Carol film instead of the Muppets Christmas Carol. (laughs) (laughs) This is supposed to be funny, Dan. No, it's serious. This is a serious podcast. This is an academic It's serious now. I went on a 15-minute rant about how the ghost of Christmas past is serious. Lost love. (laughs) (laughs) No one's heard me talk as much as I've just done, Dan. (laughs) And you won't listen to yourself. So, who was that for? All you lovely people. All seven of them. All seven of them, and that one guy on that podcast app that I've forgotten the name of. Oh, hi, Green Dawn. Yeah. He uh, he liked the page, and he apparently listens, and I really like his comics, so shout out to the dude from Hi, Green Dawn. Um, Ghost of Christmas present. Hagrid. Yeah, Ginger Basically, Hagrid. Basically, in the Muppets Christmas Carol. In the Muppets Christmas Carol, but also, you know... I imagined him in the book a little bit like, you know, the Burger King mascot? Yeah. Who is is the Burger King? Um, Like him. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, that took me That was a builder. That was a climber. Um, But obviously a lot taller, and it describes him in... uh, Charles Dickens describes him as having, like, a kind of loose green robe on with, like, his chest showing, and he's got, like, pants on, and he's sitting on a throne of turkey and... And loads of food. Yeah, and he well, he, um, he, he describes him really interestingly. It's like he can fit into any space. So it's just like he can go under awnings yeah. just as easily as he can fit in a, in a hall. And you you see that during Des- his song in his the Muppets size. Christmas Carol, where he's yeah, yeah. he's in the background with the the mice, the Mises, which is is cool. The Mises, they obviously got Jesus. Yeah, but I tried to force out the image of the big, the big Muppets version of him. Mm. Who I was very because I said before this is always the bit that I think I used to start the film at because apparently, as apparently when it got good, I don't think that's true. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I now as an adult you realise that that's not true. 
<laughs> I forced out that version of him and tried to take on the way he was being described in the book. And what I came mm. up with was tall Burger King with a green robot. It's fairly then, similar in terms of a description, yeah, I think. But also, I found the I found I found the original illustration for Ghost of Christmas Present. It's fucking Burger King with a green robot. Is it? So I was my I was right. I interpreted it correctly. I'll put that on the on the socials as well. Uh, but yeah, Definitely. I was very surprised at that. That I uh, I got something right for a change in my uh, in my brain. I know that never happens. A true rarity. Um, <laughs> but yeah, kind of kind of a Christmas spirit. You want to give a hug and have a shot of whiskey with? Definitely, jolly green giant, basically, isn't he? In yeah, in in all versions, I imagine he's lovely because he's meant to, he's meant to be you know present day Christmas with with your family and. Getting bevved and eating yeah. loads and dancing and playing charades and all that shit, which, which you see in in, we well, in yeah. in the book you experience it and you see it in, uh, in the film as well. My favorite yeah. bit, I think the big the biggest omission uh, that they miss out from the film is that in the book Fred's party that he kind of ghost crashes, um, is much longer and he watches mm. them all play like. That Marco Polo game where he's trying to chase the oh what's like the plump the the plump sister yeah there's the, 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 the guy is, is basically like he, just he, following he can around you can, clear, he can, can clearly see it and he's just yeah. following around and it's something really he creepy obviously where he's like, knows oh, I'm gonna is. have to keep feeling your face to know who you are who are you I'm gonna have to keep feeling your rings and Charles Dickens as the narrator is like this is disgusting what a yeah. horrible showcase of humanity. <laughs> But I don't think he's being mean about it. I think he does find it funny because yeah. he says that when someone when someone comes it's up, it's not to a him mean like, spirited touch... chase, is it? From yeah, yeah. When, when, when someone comes up to him and like touches him and pretends he has to pretend he didn't know they were there and then react like, "Oh, didn't know you were there," and then go back to chasing the plump relative. Um, but yeah, that is a lot longer. Mm. And then the biggest difference is when they're playing charades at the end, um, and they're like, "Oh, it's an animal." And it's the, found yeah, in the, the guess city. who game. And it's horrible. And it, turned, it turns out to be Scrooge. And in the Muppets mm. film, he's kind of heartbroken by that. Yeah, and it's just, it's a really horror. it's a horrible scene, which I, like... No, in, no, in well, the in, he, in, in, he does, but in the Muppets Christmas Carol, the nephew, Fred, is, like, really mean about it, and he's really mean about Scrooge. Um, and, yeah, obviously... No, all the, all, the questions, all the questions are the same. But, yeah, yeah, they, they are. But the, the way that the nephew reacts... To Scrooge being the answer is totally different as well. He's in the in the Muppets. He's horrible about it. He's horrible about it being Scrooge. He's like, yeah, of course, seven is Scrooge. A horrible old man. I'm paraphrasing. That's probably not exactly what's said. But in the book, he's like, he's he's got a lot to say about how much he actually likes Scrooge. He he, he can't hate him. Like just because yeah. he hates Christmas and he's a bit moody doesn't mean he, he yeah because he laughs he at him. him. In the book, he's like, oh, I think when they arrive at the party, he's saying something like, and he called it a humbug, and he meant it too. And they all laugh, but he's, do- <laughs> he's, do- he's kind of like laughing in a kind of sympathetic way, mm. rather than, oh, this dickhead who hates Christmas. <laughs> but then your, your point is how, how Scrooge takes that, and yet in the Muppets, he's like disconsolate, he's really upset that, oh, they see me as this animal, this is how they see me. Yeah, he he, he says, I don't want to see anymore, and he takes him away, doesn't he? Whereas in the the book, he he laughs, and then he wants to stay, and he he stays for a bit longer. (laughs) Yeah, that is me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like jazz. That's pretty good. 
<laughs> oh, I'm jealous. Look at all my hash and jeans. Well, yeah. well that, that was the that, that was the like one me. extra game that he wanted to stay for. The, the Christmas present wanted to take him away, and then Scrooge was like, "Oh, please, one more game." And that one more game turned out to be that Guess Who game. Oh yeah, that's it, and, yeah. and it's worth it to him because he, he has a great time. Yeah, in the book. and he, he like he enjoys the party and he takes part in the party even though no one can see him. And there's like yeah, um, it's it's like really a charade kind of game that he gives and... the answers to. Which are the yeah, right answers? He's guessing, isn't he? Yeah, it, it makes you want to go. Oh, just let him join in. I don't care if he's a you know a, a ghostly apparition out of phase with the rest of the world. <laughs> he just let him play the fucking party games. Like he's having such a good little time. Which I, I assume feel... ends up happening because you don't see the Christmas party in the last chapter, but he shows up at the Christmas party. So I assume he did yeah, yeah. take part in it eventually. That's true. Which is nice, but yeah. Then so so in the in the the book, that is the last thing that the ghost of Christmas Present shows him. Whereas in the film, it's the first thing that he shows him. Um, yeah, and then they go on that kind of whistle on, stop tour. Of, go, there's like a lighthouse. They, they, well, and they, yeah, they they go to Tiny Tim basically. They're in the in the, the book, let me just just think. He, he in the book, he, he's walking through the streets for ages, and there's like a big description of like a. A butchers or something, or a greengrocers or something. Yeah, yeah. Big Everyone's buying their shit for Christmas, and then they eventually end up at Tiny Tim's. Uh, well, not Tiny Tim's. It's not his house. He's a kid. Um, <laughs> but in so so that's the first thing that he does in the book. But in the film, it's the last thing that he does. Um, yeah. But either way, we're up to uh, Bob Cratchit's house now. And yeah, we get to well, see his they, wife, we, who in is. The, in the, I didn't realise this, but Bob Cratchit's wife is a pig. Apparently, never described like that. But again, just like Bob Cratchit being a, a frog, Mrs. Cratchit is a pig. Well, and it's just, they, it's just they amazing. We describe her as a as a pink, uh, portly woman, which you know would describe Miss Piggy. It was the casting choice for Emily Cratchit. She is literally a pig. Her name is Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy. No, her name is Emily Cratchit. <laughs> She is I'm talking about crazy. the actress. The actress is Miss Piggy. Oh, the actress is Miss Piggy, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but just, just zipping back very shortly, very briefly even, uh, before you get to Bob Cratchit's house in the book, you go to kind of... I think they're a bit superfluous, but they kind of are nice. They go to, like, a, a ship, a Navy ship, and they're with uh, uh, men who are away from their families and yeah, still and the, enjoying and the, the Christmas. the lighthouse and, the lighthouse. and stuff, yeah. And it, it's showing just everyone celebrating Christmas, no matter what their situation, no matter yeah. whether they're in a lighthouse in the middle of the sea or a ship in the middle of a storm. I assume it was storm, it might not have been, but a ship in the middle of the sea, at the very least. Yeah. People are still able to celebrate Christmas and they're still able to be happy and joyous. But Scrooge is counting his money in his room going, I'm back. Yeah, big. For like the millionth time that day, if you're Michael putting King. Putting another shilling down and going, oh, that's another sixpence I have. Or however old money works. <laughs> I, I think, I don't know how old money works. I mean, Is it I a mean, 12 pence? Money. Who knows? <laughs> Is that what I, I have now? Am I rich? Do I have 18 pences? I don't Why know. Scrooge? Why is Scrooge Chief Palpatine all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how all this money works. I just count it and then lend it to people and then demand it back. <laughs> Feel the force. Um, I'm going yeah, to the clone army with all these sixpences. <laughs> Execute order sixpence six. Pence six. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh. Anyway, <laughs> back to <laughs> the Cratchit's house. I think the way that the Christmas Day is described 
in the book is so nice. It's a lovely Christmas day, isn't it? Because it's basically saying they have almost nothing, but they're making the most of it and having a great, lovely time. Exactly. Whereas Scrooge has almost everything and has a fucking shitty, horrible time. Yeah. Well, isn't that? He has a lot of money. Which is which is well, yeah. Well, that's the point. They're, they're they're two vast. They're they're two polar opposite households. Yeah. The Scrooge household and the Cratchit household, in which Scrooge has loads of money and no happiness. And it's and cold and Bob there's Cratchit, no one else there. Yeah, and Bob Cratchit is really poor but has lots of happiness and it's a warm house with lots of love. It's yeah, because the they're, they're, they're not scared to fucking buy some coal to keep the family warm with what Basically. little they have. Yeah, and like the but Bob Cratchit is described. Sorry, I'm eating some chocolate by the way. Oh, I've got mince pies and I forgot to... Well, can we have a break in a bit and I can go get a mince pie? No. <laughs> you should have been prepared. I had to wait ten minutes for you to find some fucking chocolate powder. You should Five have found minutes. the mince pies, pies there. But Bob, Bob Cratchit basically is described as wearing all this shitty, horrible gear. that He obviously earns all his six pences from his job and just gives it all to his family, basically. Yeah. Whereas he wears a fucking duvet as a coat <laughs> kind of thing. And then again, the they're polar opposite people, Bob Cratchit and Ebenezer Scrooge. But like, I think they describe the Christmas dinner as like, there's just enough to go around, but they're all saying how nice it is. And then they have that for like, dessert, it's like a Christmas pudding, and then they all sit around yeah. the fire and have like gin and, and it's hot a small, water. And it's a, but it's a small Christmas pudding, but no one mentions it. No yeah, one no one wants to say. No Bob Cratchit says that it's amazing, it's the best pudding he's ever had, and no one mentions this is, this is really small. Yeah. Kind of thing, because they're all just so nice and they're all just so happy. And but uh, to be whilst, whilst that is communicated relatively accurately, but with a bit more comedy in the Muppets film, I feel like they all look a bit too well off. They don't look scruffy enough. Mm. Tiny Tim, played by Robin the Frog, is uh, is that what his name is? Robin the Frog. Yeah, I'm yeah, surprised they managed to find so many frog and pig actors and actresses. <laughs> like well, that, they is, were, that they is were in high demand in, in the nineties. They were in high demand. I don't know if this is me being ignorant, but you know, Robin the Frog looks like he could be Kermit the Frog's son. You know, they, they look really, <laughs> you know. Oh, all frogs just, look the same, is that what you It's amazing casting, frankly, personally. He's actually the casting he's department. his nephew. Cheers. Cheers to the casting department. He says as he fills up his third pint of Bailey's. <laughs> Robin the Frog is uh, Kermit the Frog's nephew. In real life. Oh, is he okay? But he so plays is, his son. There is a family sort of connection. There is. There's them. genetic. And I'm not just uh, being. Um, I'm not being ignorant towards frogs. No, you're not. No. Uh, but yeah, I feel like they all look too well dressed, and they're having. Uh, there's too much food, and like the only the only kind of thing that shows that they're quite poor is that they're in quite a small room. But I don't think it's put across well enough that. They're poor. Well, they toast, don't they? Don't they toast the founder of the feast, who is Bob Cratchit? Uh, sorry, I mean, well, the founder of the Scrooge, Scrooge. is Ebony Scrooge. Scrooge. They do that in both. And uh, Miss Piggy, or whatever the uh, character's name is, Miss Piggy is like, fucking Ebony's a Scrooge. Page, fuck all. And Bob's like, the children, it's Christmas. And she's like, fucking fine. All right, I will toast him because it's Christmas. Yeah. Through gritted teeth, he's like, two Ebony's yeah. a Scrooge. Yeah, but, basically. you know, as far as far as as a Muppets casting kids film version of the scene, that was such good. a journey of a sentence that you just told me. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's pretty good for for what for what it is. It's quite nice. Um, and then you get 
Um, the ghost of Christmas present taking. He gets old, doesn't he? In both. Yeah, of them. he gets because older he, throughout he, the he, day. He literally, he literally lives uh, twenty four hours because he lives Christmas Day he, only. Yeah, he lives for the present. And, that's it. And he said there's been like eighteen hundred, over eighteen hundred of him before mm. because there's one every year for Christmas. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's grey, and he takes him to a graveyard to die. Uh, where he also yeah, and he has these weird kids. He has a boy and a girl kid. And yeah, one is... right at the end, right at the end, what they come they? out of his I robes, don't they? Yeah, he pulls them out of his robes. They're called and greed they're... and want, I think, and they're like withered children. They're terrifying yeah, by the sounds of like, it. So they they just... are obviously, obviously not in the film, <laughs> in the Muppets film. Yeah, that's. It's just out of nowhere. He's just like because he's dead nice to him, and he's like, yeah. oh, do all spirits grow old so fast? And he's like. Uh, well, oh, it no, says, just... Spirit, are they your children? Basically, I mean, I paraphrase that, is, is what Scrooge says. And, uh, are they the, your the, kids' spirits? The Spirit says, uh, they're man's children, and the boy is ignorance, and the girl is want. So that's yeah. Yeah, what you said. And to be particularly, um, to, to be worry particularly about uh, the boy, worry particularly about ignorance, which I think is what Scrooge shows towards the ignorance of the plight of the poor. Saying yeah. that they should go and live in poor houses and prisons and stuff like that, which is yeah, I think yeah. I think and the ghost of Christmas Present actually says, says that sorry, to him. Well, yeah, a he lot said, of what Scrooge says in that first scene where it's like, why don't they go live in the poor houses, or why don't the sick and the decrepit just die to reduce the surplus population? A lot of that is said back to him by the ghost of Christmas Present, but in a jovial tone, so it kind of in it, yeah, in a jovial tone, it's kind yeah. of like. Why doesn't Tiny Tim just go and die? Basically, yeah. that's what you said. That's what you said. That's what you believed. It, but now you've seen it, it, and you understand. In, in, bo- it, it, in both of them, uh, Scrooge has Scrooge has no reference in terms of he has he has no face to put on uh, yeah. the poor and and the sick. He he just uh, yeah. sees them as as a nuisance. But then when he sees Tiny Tim. Uh, having not as good of a life as he can because he underpays his dad. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh shit, that's my fault. And then suddenly Tiny Tim becomes the face of everyone that he was against at the start yeah. of the story. And if that underpaying continues, Tiny Tim will die. Yeah. And it's his um, fault. And he's never he's never it, seen yeah, a direct line It would indirectly be Scrooge's fault for the, the boy dying. Because it's the Christmas special and because I need a wince pie, can we have a short break? Okay. We're Marley and Marley, our hearts were painted black. We should have known our evil deeds would put us both in shackles. Daniel, fuck you, Daniel. Fuck you, Daniel. Fuck you. Hey. What? Are you talking about me? No. I heard you muttering to someone. No, it's Becca at the door. Oh, hi, Becca. I lied. You'll have to listen back to the recording to see what I said to you. Fine. But if I find it to be unsavoury, then I probably won't do anything because it's Christmas. <laughs> Master Christmas spirit. I've got my own half pint of Bailey's and a, nice. a mince pie. Cheers. Clink. How are you finding our digital Christmas party going? Uh, well, so far. I'm liking it. I'm more sober than I, had, I thought I, I would be, but I'm happy I about had, that. I had great plans for us to have it in the same room with like pigs in blankets and fucking <sighs> all sorts. It would have been. It would have been great. Oh well. I know. 
next Christmas. Christmas special to we'll Electric Boogaloo. We'll be in the same room <laughs> as one another. We'll both have been inoculated from COVID-19. 2020 will be a distant, dark memory that nobody will talk about. So this is the only transition between the ghost, the ghosts, where he doesn't end up back in his bed? Yeah, it can. It? So the, the chapter sort of ends with the ghost of Christmas present leaves him and the ghost of Christmas yet to come starts slithering. In a graveyard. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, right, I've got a, um, a note in bold at the bottom of my notes here. And it says, in regards to the Muppets film and the Christmas Carol film, every character is watered down except the ghost of Christmas yet to come. I still think he's... That's true. I still think the way that yet to come is uh, looks is exaggerated to the point where he's not scary anymore. You know, his hood's he fucking, fucking huge. Scary. I don't think he is. I think he's exaggerated he to the is. point where it's comical. You no, know, it used to it used to terrify me when I was younger, and it still does scare me now. <laughs> and that, and that kind of little bit of the score every time he would put in something, it would go. Boo-do. Boom, 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 boom. Used to fucking put the fucking chills through me. <laughs> it, it's genuinely scary, and I think it's a really good. And the way he appears out of the mist, and I think it even says in the book he couldn't tell whether the mist was a part of the ghost or the ghost was a part of the mist, and he just kind of materializes. That's really well put across the way he kind of glides and then boom, thumps down. Yeah. Can and we, I, I can't can we find... take a pin and just talk about. Um... A series we've already talked about, and I've mentioned it already once. Harry Potter, right? Does J.K. Rowling have zero fucking imagination? Because Hagrid is in this book and film, and the Dementors are in this book and film. So does she just, like, not have any imagination? Does she just rob stuff? I I do actually have a note about that. that When I first started reading Harry Potter and before they'd been shown on screen, the the Dementors were just the Ghosts of Christmas Future from this film for me. Like the exact same guy in a bathrobe. Mm. But then inversely, when I was reading the Charles Dickens book in preparation for this, I was seeing the ghost of Christmas yet to come as a Dementor from the films. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, <laughs> so it's because that's of, how it's he's described. Of... Just as a Dementor. Yeah. It's full circle, isn't it? And yeah, Hagrid oh. in Muppet's Christmas Carol. Well, sorry. Christmas present is just Hagrid, basically, in the yeah. Muppet's Christmas Carol. It's But not Ginger. Yeah. You heard it here first, guys. Yeah. J.K. Rowling's a hack. <laughs> you can't say that. Just We've done did. an episode on one of her books. <laughs> I don't actually believe that. I really actually quite like Harry Potter. She's obviously an avid listener of the podcast, and now she's not going to come on as a guest. I will well, say, what I tried to I tried to get... Well, I didn't try and get, because I've given up... Did you, did you message Charles Dickens on Instagram? Because that's what you've done to every other author that we've, <laughs> no, that we've done I, so I, far. I, I thought about messaging Brian Henson, who directed this, who was Jim Henson's son, to see if he'd come on. But I've just had to admit defeat and say, we don't have the clout at the moment to get any kind of fancy guest on the podcast. So we have to... I just didn't try. I just gave up. So does that mean that when our next first ever guest comes on, they won't be a fancy guest? Is that what you've basically just admitted already? Well, no, because if they are a fancy guest, then they are a fancy guest. But I'm will just we introduce saying them as a fancy we... guest? And if they're not a fancy guest, will we just introduce them as a guest? No, we will say regular guest. Here is our okay. regular guest. And, and then here's our fancy guest. <laughs> We're putting them on the same Rowland. time. 
so that the regular guest feels inferior and it's has a, nothing to it's say. It's a bit like on uh, the Graham Norton show where he has his main guest, his secondary guest, and his shit guest. <laughs> I've never seen it that way before, but essentially he does, doesn't he? Yeah. The, the, the good guest is either like Ryan Reynolds or mm. Hugh Jackman. And then and he's then got like have... David Tennant, who's the good guest. And then he's got like a shitty British comedian that no one knows. Or someone that's been yeah. in the, someone that who's in the bill. I remember they had Didier Drogba on once, and he was on for like he came on for the last ten minutes. He wasn't even in, in the full episode. No, really. That was a bit awkward. But Graham Norton isn't in this film. So before we go on a Graham Norton, but if we did have him, or, he'd be one of our fancy guests. Graham Norton would be a great guest. I'd I'd have Graham Norton on this podcast. Mm-hmm. That's a fancy. If guest. we can find if we can find like a Father Ted comic or something. That he's in. <laughs> we can invite him on. Um, but yeah, he appears. He's scary. He's a dementor. Uh, the the ghost Norton. is not... Not Graham Norton, the ghost. Jeez. <laughs> you have any worries. Um, yeah, he doesn't He doesn't speak to him still. Like he just he points, in the book. doesn't he? He just points. Points to where uh, he's to go or look. Yeah, he's scary. But my ghosts just say, ghost, ghost of Christmas future is great. Comma, scary, comma, doesn't speak, comma, dementor. <laughs> Cracking notes. So that uh, that covers all of my uh, my notes on his appearance. I think I think what he shows him in the book compared to what he sorry, what he shows him in the film compared to what he shows him in the book is pretty shit. Mm. Like he is she... he skims past people talking about a dead guy and then what does he show him? And then it's in, it's in the... uh, some Cool. It's people who've take, taken the stuff from his deathbed, so like his his sheets and his curtains, yeah, and, and they're selling, selling it to it, this yeah. pawnbroker, which is like the spider the spider muppet mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in the film, which is I think meant to be a bit scary and a bit weird, but it was just kind of like meh to me. I didn't really, I wasn't bothered about it. But the the big omission before we to go to the Cratchit's house again is. I mean, obviously, I don't think they could have put this in the, in a Muppets film. Showing the dead body in the morgue. No, it's in his room, isn't it? Well, I, I thought it was in his room, but he, ne- he doesn't recognise the room because he doesn't... He's not 100% that it's his dead body yet. And he, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, good point. Uh, but then he does mention that the room's too really dark, so maybe it it's is a, his room. I pictured it as his room, but it was too dark to see anything mm. because all the focus was on the body. And it, he had his sheet over his head, wasn't it? And the, the, the spirit was just... Pointing at him, yeah, at the body, at the dead body, trying to get him to uncover him, and he yeah, goes close like, to the tower, and he goes, "No, I'd love to, but I don't think I've got the power." Yeah, and it's a very important point in the story, and it's not even. I think that's the point that the reader the... knows that it's Scrooge that's dead, because Scrooge doesn't know that it's him that's dead yet. Do you I think, think that's when the point that the reader knows? The reader's like, "Yeah, that's Scrooge." Do you think? Because I think. The people who first read this book, maybe they didn't. Maybe they weren't one hundred percent sure whether or not it was Scrooge who was dead. Are you really? It's obviously it, it's obviously very heavily implied, but there's no way they could have known for sure. It could have been someone who's dead because of Scrooge. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's heavily it's heavily implied in the sense that like the people that are talking on the str- the street, it's like, oh, Scrooge knew them, didn't know very well, but he knew them, and they're talking about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it cuts to the next scene, and it's a dead body. Yeah, I I think that's when the reader is supposed to know that Scrooge has died in this future. 
But then Scrooge doesn't find out until he uncovers his name on the, the gravestone. The thing is, though, if that's the future and Scrooge is dead and everyone's made up with it, because he asks at one point, doesn't he? He says, please show me someone who is happy um, or who is sad about this man's passing. He doesn't mm. know that it's him yet or he's, he's, he's unwilling to accept that it's him yet. Yeah, the, show, the, me some, show me someone who was moved by the fact that yeah. this man is dead. And, the, and that's the, where it takes you to the Cratchit's house. Yeah. Oh, no, well, it's, no, no, it's not. So the, 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 he asks that and he gets taken to the people who he's lent money to, who we mentioned earlier. Because I, I wrote down a quote from the book just in case I couldn't find it quick enough. It's the only emotion that the ghost could show him of the event, which was Scrooge's death, was one of pleasure. The only re- the only emotion that Scrooge's death elicits in anyone in this future, if he carries on on his path, is happiness, and everyone's happy that he's dead. But then he shows uh, the Cratchit house where Tiny Tim is dead, and it's like the polar opposite. It's like this is how people should react to death. They should be sad that mm-hmm. someone's died. Uh, they should they should be upset. They should mourn you. Uh, that's a, the, a good point yeah the, the, this is how people should react to death they shouldn't be happy uh, and if you carry on down this path then everyone's going to be happy that you're dead and no one's going to mourn you basically because I think they, they talk about the, the people his, his acquaintances they're like oh I'll go to his funeral if there's a lunch on I don't normally eat lunch but I'll go <laughs> yeah and they're pigs if there's a good spread <laughs> Which which makes it funnier. The pigs going, oh, I'll go off this lunch. <laughs> which 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 there there are things that are said because a lot of the lines from the book are, are said, whether it's like narrated or through dialogue in yeah. the Muppets film, which is which is so weird for a kids film. You'd think they'd make it more playful and a little bit more relatable. And that whole kind of bit about the pigs going, oh, I'll go off this lunch. You'd think that was part of the Muppets script, but it's fucking not. It's it, actually. Yeah, but, but the fact that it's but the fact that it's pigs saying it makes it so much funnier. Yeah, <laughs> because the bits that Gonzo says, who's playing Dickens, like in between to tie together the narrative, are lines from the book. Yeah, yeah, basically to move the story the, the, along. The more the more easy, uh, easy to understand. Yeah, the more easily digestible of, ones. Yeah, the ones aren't where the words are tripping over themselves. Yeah, because there are some ones, like you said earlier, that like some passages and descriptions that are actually quite hard to follow. It's like, what's he talking about? Yeah. What have I been reading about for the past <laughs> three paragraphs? I gave up a couple a couple of times. I went back and tried and went, okay, I can kind of see where he's coming from. And then sometimes I was just like, nope, it's not going to affect the story. And I've tried three times and it makes no sense. <laughs> the, the worst one for me... I'm was... not a scholar. <laughs> uh, the worst one for me was the... the when he's with the ghost of Christmas present and he's just arrived in present and he's at the greengrocers and it's talking about the greengrocers and what everyone's doing there. And I, I, I read that today. I read it, what, nine hours ago? And I can't remember what's said. It describes every single piece of fruit on the fucking shelves. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like, the plums were the plums were huge and the oranges were fresh. And Is this like, just great, padding? Well done. Is this, did he have a quota yeah. of 150 pages to his publisher? That's a I mean, pad. I think it's probably a res- it's probably a result of I mean, it was like what Victorian England and and maybe having a lot of fresh fruit on offer was like the epitome of happiness on Christmas Day. Maybe in in the middle of London, fresh fruit in the middle of London. That's obviously not been grown in the middle of London. 
One thing about the um, the scene where Tiny Tim's died, so he's in the room, isn't he? he says, "Please show me someone who's been moved by my death." And they go to um, the Cratchit's house. And in the in the book, obviously this is another scene that they can't put in the book, but uh, Bob comes in and he, he says, oh, uh, oh, we found a nice spot to bury him. You'll really like it. It's on the hill. He can see all this kind of stuff, which they say in both versions. Um, in the book, he goes up and, and, and kisses his dead son's corpse. Yeah, he's in, he's in his bed, isn't he? Because like, yeah. they wouldn't have the money to put him up at the Undertaker's for the, for the ob- night. I'm obviously not an expert on... Nine- on the practices of 19th century undertakers, but would not leave You're not? Body Did you not spend three like... and a half minutes uh, researching it before we started <laughs> this show? Only two and a half, that's why my, my knowledge is, is uh, spotty about it. But and that is why you fail. Would leaving, leaving a dead body in bed for like four days, you know, there are certain biological processes that happen once someone passes away. He's not. He's not going to turn to slime in four days, especially at Christmas. Well, no, but he, but he'd start to rot. Pro- probably, especially over Christmas. But it's especially cold. over Christmas. Yeah. What does that mean? It's... <laughs> Christmas goes. Oh, it's okay. We'll keep the body intact. It's Christmas. We don't Christmas want to ruin the cheer down stops the rot. <laughs> no, my point. My point Although was get... that my point was that it's, it's cold. cold over Christmas. Yeah. Okay. That makes a bit more sense. But yeah, that made it a little bit. Well, made it a lot sadder than the fact that they have to hold on to the body for like days before However long the funeral. Until they can bury him. Yeah, and obviously they can't show poor Robin the Frog playing uh, Tiny Tim to be dead. Mm. It would have been a good can... uh, display of Robin's acting chops, though. How still he could lie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, with his eyes closed, pretending he's asleep. I always can, wonder how can... they. I always wonder how they do that in films. You know, when when obviously you've got the obvious actor on set. Like how they stop showing the breathing? Do they? Are they like okay? So we're gonna we're gonna do the take in three, two, and on two. They take a big deep breath in three, two, <gasps> and then they have to hold their breath for like three minutes while the scene's being filmed. I, th- I, th- I, I I kind of did it then as you were, as you were asking. I think if you breathe out, don't force all the air out of your lungs, but just breathe out like you usually would. Like, <sighs> and you can sit there for like thirty seconds and not have to breathe, and you don't need like a big long shot of someone dead. You just need like a few seconds. And then your chest's not moving. Although I have noticed in a few films where they're meant to be dead and you see the chest going up and down. <laughs> That's a little bit annoying. It's like you're literally playing a dead person. It's the mm. easiest thing to do. Don't breathe. Well, if Robin Frog was doing that, I, I'm certain that his chest would not have moved. He's a phenomenal and his, Yeah, actor. but his eyes, would, his eyes also wouldn't have been closed. I've seen because... him in a stage production of Five Little Speckled Frogs and he was fantastic. <laughs> the missing corpse scene. Two missing corpse scenes. All I want is a goddamn corpse, Dan. It's all I want in my Christmas film. One corpse. (laughs) Still as anything. I don't care whether it's a human actor or if it's a Muppet actor. Just dead as a doornail. Well, that's a throwback. Read the book if you want to understand that, guys. In fact, yeah, you need to read that the first page. That's about it. That's, it. that's another example of Charles Dickens being a funny bloke down the pub. Where he's like, what is dead as a doornail? What does that even mean? I always thought a coffin nail would be more dead than a doornail. <laughs> and all his mates are just there with their Carlin, just like, who invited the dickhead? <laughs> Carlin. I don't think they had draft beer in 1843. 
You don't know that. Doesn't most draft? I don't know. Most draft beers are like Cronenberg's a draft beer, and that's like Cronenberg's in sixteen sixty six. And yeah, but I don't think it's draft that. like as we as we know drafts today. All right, well, the Carling isn't draft as you know it today, Dan, Mister. I work in pubs and know everything about draft beer. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like Carling is pretty. I don't think English people made good beer that stood the test of time. <laughs> European people probably did. Are you saying that English people aren't European, Daniel? That's it's pretty presu- well, no, presumptive of you. We've never been European. It's always Europe and England. Or in the UK. Are you forgetting the Welsh? I wish I could forget the Welsh. Yeah, well, well, that, you just alienated an entire country from us now, then. <laughs> so, thanks. Because they broke my heart! That's why I wish I could forget them. They left me because I was too greedy like Scrooge. You were I'm too joking. into like sixpences. <laughs> and whatever they amounted to. What is a sixpence? Was, was a sixpence like a coin? Like a 50p? I, I think so. Six but I don't... Pences? I th- what I struggle with is I know there's a hundred we could easily check but I don't want to check I know there's a hundred a hundred pence to one pound but I don't know what the different denominations were of everything pre-decimalisation I think it was an absolute is it six pence? and I think that's why they changed everything I think, like, yeah, no one can remember like, anything like, you know how like a pound there's like pounds and whatever next is after a pound what's after a pound is it a stone and it's like no one knows there's like 16 pounds in a in a stone and who wants to count to 16 and then it's not even like the same across the board like it's not even 16 pints in a gallon it's who knows I don't I know I don't know either this has gone off the rails Dan (laughs) (laughs) this Christmas show have gone off the fucking chain it reminds me of the denominations in Harry Potter because isn't there something like fucking like 13 It's mentioned like once Hagrid glosses over it in like the first book and he's like there's 13 sickles and a canut and there's 20 A canut, alright Tigger I'm sure that's how it's pronounced in... It's not It's a K- Stephen, K-S, Stephen it's Fry who did the audio books pronounced it as canut Stephen Fry got it wrong I hate to say that because Stephen Fry is almost always right but <sighs> there's no way Stephen Fry is one of our most esteemed listeners and our fanciest (laughs) guest. Why would you say that about Stephen Fry? (laughs) I would love to have him on as a guest, but he wouldn't. Well, he wouldn't come on now because you just said he's wrong. Well, well, he mispronounced nut, so he busted. He busted the nut. (laughs) Me. Me. Cheers. Cheers. But yeah, yeah. Then back to the graveyard. And that whole reveal of uh, the ghost of... Does it ever say the ghost of Christmas future? It's always the ghost of Christmas yes to come, mm, isn't it? Yeah. And like obviously the ghost of Christmas so yes to come doesn't call himself that. It's Scrooge. It's like, are you the ghost of Christmas yet to come? It's how he sort of yeah. asks him that question. And he doesn't get a no. So he sort of sticks with it. It's worthy, but it's a, bit more, it's a bit more... It's a bit more uh, poetic. <laughs> Instead of just goes to yeah, the future, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. <laughs> but the yeah, but that that scene of him revealing uh, his name on the gravestone and basically saying, "Oh, I can change." Don't don't. It's it's basically the, maybe that's why I left it out of the film. They, they they it's the same dynamic as uncover that body right now. And he goes, "No, I don't want to." Mm. And then he's faced with the gravestone and he's like, "Wipe the wipe the snow off that gravestone so you can see whose name it is." And he's like, "No." 
and it takes him about three or four goes, and it's done really well in the film. It's done as it is in the book until eventually he wipes it off. Mm. Um, and sees it's his name. But then he, when he dissolves back onto the bed, I'm sure in the book he grabs the uh, the robe of the ghost and it turns, it collapses and turns into a bedpost in the book. And in the film, it's it turns into a bedsheet and falls on the bed, which is a much better transition. Yeah, it's probably easier to do from a filmmaking point of view as well to turn a cloak into a sheet. Well, you know, Charlie Dix did not know that they were going to be making a... Uh, well, he probably didn't even know films existed. They didn't Dix. exist, did they, in 1843? I don't know. When did the train film yeah. come out? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Probably uh, around, or a bit later than, probably about early 1900s, maybe. Message talk nerdy to me now, and find out. He'll know. What year we, What year where was uh, Jay scared by the train film? <laughs> and was Charles Dickens in the audience? <laughs> <laughs> he drove the train? <laughs> no, that doesn't make any sense. It's a film, suspend your disbelief, it doesn't have to make sense. The Trade, directed by Charles Dickens. <laughs> uh, <coughs> so yeah, he's back on his bed again, because you're a lazy bastard. Uh, and uh, the whole kind of jubilant new Scrooge that arrives is if you will. Is what? Scroogulant. Way Yeah, uh, so when Scroogulant appears... Yeah. Uh, and, and he's so happy, and like he he can't shave because he's dancing so much. Yeah, he can't like, keep his oh, hands no, still. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, so shaving takes a lot of effort. <laughs> it's like what Charles Dickens says. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, mate, Charlie, me and you have never like connected on a level like this before because, mate, <laughs> shaving is difficult, <laughs> and I can't be bothered with it. <laughs> I hate shaving as well, to be fair. Um. But yeah, I, I just think it's put across. I mean, it doesn't need a fucking song in the book to show how happy he is. And he leans out the window and the way he's chatting away to himself at the same time he's chatting to the boy going past saying, go buy the turkey and I'll, yeah. I'll give you the money. Yeah, what day is it? What's today? Why, it's Christmas Day. And he's like, oh, it's Christmas Day? I haven't missed it. <laughs> I thought at one point that uh, what today? It's Christmas Day. That line was going to be the equivalent of "Beam me up, Scott." You from Star Trek? Because the way it will, or like uh, elementary, my dear Watson, I thought it was going to be one of those lines that never actually was said in things, but has been put in there by popular culture. Because the way I was reading it in the book, and he progressed to the window, and he started speaking to the boy, and I was like, "Why has he not said it yet? <laughs> why hasn't he said? Why hasn't he said the thing?" And it, it was it was like a half a page later. I was like, "Oh, thank God he did." Well, there's there's a few of those things in this, isn't there? Because there's the bar humbug, which is like a, a popular thing. I mean, no one obviously says it, but everyone knows that. Oh, that's from Christmas Carol or the Merry Christmas, yeah. everyone. Everyone knows that that's from Christmas Carol. And why today? Yeah. It's Christmas Day. There's a couple of them in here. Merry Christmas was actually popularized by by this book. Really. Yeah, it dated back to sometime in like 1500, the first documented use, but it was vastly popularised by the use in this book, the word, the phrase Merry Christmas. Fair enough. It is the best way to say it. There's not a lot of ways you can use the word merry apart from meaning drunk. Mm. But yeah. it does, Happy Christmas doesn't have the same ring to it. No, it's like Merry Christmas, Christmas and a Happy New Year. That's how it goes. That's, yeah. the, that's, the, that's the phrase that rolls off your tongue the easiest. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Happy Christmas. Not happy Christmas and a good new year. 
Like, fuck that. I hope, I hope Christmas occurs for you. I hope <laughs> the calendar changes year. I hope 2020 I hope becomes progresses. 2021 and not 2020 part two. I fucking hope 2020 becomes 2021 as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, he dances through the street in the film. I like Michael Caine, but I feel like he's not very overt with his acting in this film, and he doesn't seem happy enough, as is described in the book. Mm, well, he's he does sort of act a bit different. Like, like we've already said, like he sort of he seems to delight in being bad at the start, and then he's not quite as joyous at the end. He's just more like a normal, good-natured old fella at the end of the Muppets yeah. Christmas Carol, whereas he is, like, madly excited and, like, he's got 50 years' worth of pent-up joy in him that he's letting out in one day. I don't I, I don't like this uh, this analogy. It sounds like a euphemism for uh, he needs a massive wank. Well, he's, I, think, I think that is the, the overall... Um, the message of a Christmas carol is to have a wank. Frankly, if you're feeling Even a bit moody, it's been so many years. If you've had a bad day, you can always let out. If you've had a bad day, joy. like it might not have been a bad day, I just need a bit of a wank. I think that's the. If you've been if you've been visited by three spirits in the night, just have a tug. Yeah, be visited be visited by a couple of thousand more spirits. <laughs> oh, of babies yet to come. Hey. Hey. Wow, that was dumb. Oh, that was a sorry for anyone who's listened to that. That was not a nice <laughs> set of jokes. <laughs> but it's staying in. Merry Christmas. And um, yeah, and then he runs into Beaker and Dr. Bunsen again, who are the portly gentlemen who are who are not very portly in this version. No, but, but he still donates a fuck ton of money like he does in the book. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same. It's almost scarf. word for word the scene, isn't it? It's like he whispers in his yeah. ear and he's like, oh, I've got lots of back payments, yeah. And in the in the book, not the book, sorry, in the, the film, uh, I really like the little moment with the, uh, Beaker. He's so happy that Scrooge has given like these thousands of pounds and Beaker gives him his scarf. And it's like, it's like, oh, for me, a present or a gift or something, and he's like, even he's he's so happy that he's received this gift. Yeah, I like that. Me, me. It is nice, and even though it's really tiny on him, yeah. <laughs> Beaker size. It's yeah. cool though. It's cool because he's he's dressed in yeah. It's, it's the one bit of color yeah. on him, isn't it? Though? Yeah, and it's and it's and it's a gift to him. Mm. Probably one of the first gifts he's ever received, and he just kind of wears it with pride, and it's uh, it's lovely. But then the the kind of ch- last kind of final change is that the um, massive turkey that he buys in the book he takes to Fred's, doesn't he? I think we said this earlier. Yeah, I, he takes it to Fred's instead. I, I can't remember that the last sort of five minutes of the film. Maybe I stopped paying attention. Maybe I got too drunk and I can't remember okay. it now. But um, the <laughs> yeah, well, in the book he t- he takes the turkey to Fred's. And, well, everyone has a Christmas party. together, so Fred is there and the Cratchits are there. Basically, all the cast. No, the no, film. no. The, the cra- the, I'm sure they are. I'm sure everyone book. is in in the film. In the film, I'm sure everyone no, 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 no. is together at the end. No, you're oh wrong. In in the in the in the in the book, he goes to 
<laughs> he takes the turkey to Fred's and they have like the day that he witnessed from the outside when the ghost of Christmas present took him to the party mm-hmm. and he has a lovely day on Christmas Day mm-hmm. uh, and then on uh, Boxing Day he waits at the office for Bob Cratchit to show up late and that's when he plays the old You're telling me about the book trick on him. I know this I'm talking about the yeah. film No I know in the film in the film he he he, he danced through the street doing the um the, the, the one good song which I now can't remember yeah, with a da, 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 and a thankful heart, that really nice kind of upbeat musical one. Uh, and he takes, he, they, they dance through the streets to Fred's. He gives Fred and his wife a present, and then they leave uh, and go to Bob Cratchit's. And he does this speech at Kermit's house, Bob Cratchit's house, that he does in the book on Boxing Day. The whole, why, why aren't you at work? And he goes, oh, it's Christmas Day. And he goes, that's no excuse. Uh, and then Miss Piggy comes out and goes, and he goes, I have no choice what, but to raise your what salary. What does Miss Piggy do? Which is what he does. Okay, because I missed uh, that bit it, in the film. But that, whole, that that back and forth happens on Boxing Day mm. in the book at yeah. the Counting House. And it's just but it, ha- but it happens on the front, and isn't it? the front door. Yeah, but it happens at the front door, which I I didn't like in the in the in the book. It, it, it sat wrong with me that not all of the story took place um, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. I feel like it should have ended on Christmas Day at a party rather than going because Boxing Day is a bit of a nothing in it, and I know that's a modern day interpretation well, of it because yeah. all the excitement's passed by then and you're hungover and stuff. <laughs> in the book, he's it's you like you you see um, Scrooge go back to work and, and wait for Cratchit to come in and go, and you've also got a raise, and it's like, but it's peaked now. Like it's been Christmas Day, and now I'm seeing a bit of Boxing Day as well. Like I don't want to see that. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said earlier, I like that bit in the book where. It's like a bit of an epilogue at the end of the book where it's like he goes into work and uh, does the old switcheroo and mugs off Bob Cratchit at the end. I've mistyped it. <laughs> I've mistyped it on my notes and it says, Scrooge mugs off Bob Cratchit pretending he's going to die for being late. It's not what I meant. It's not what I was supposed to write. <laughs> but I did write it. <laughs> You've killed me! <laughs> I'm dying of your tardiness! <laughs> I'm too happy! Humbug! <laughs> uh, but no, I, I like that, and I'd have quite liked that little. Scene I did like it, but if you're describing it as an epilogue, it shouldn't have been an epilogue because, like as we've said before, the turning point is when he gets to put Tiny Tim, who is Bob's son, as the face of everything that he kind of didn't really think mm. much about before. So it shouldn't have been an afterthought of okay, the story's over now, and also the father of Tiny Tim gets a raise. After the story's done. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it works in a book. But I think the way it works in the film is, is done. Works in the film better than it would want, have done. I just didn't... If they'd have done it I like didn't want any part of the story to take place on Boxing well, Day. it's not your story, Dan. <laughs> I know Write it's not a my fucking story, book I, I and think... set it all on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day if you're that intent on, set, on setting a story on just I'm that. allowed... I'm allowed to have an opinion on a Christmas story because Boxing Day is not a Christmas. Obviously, it is part of the Christmas holidays, but it doesn't feel it's, like it's it. the Sunday of the Christmas holiday, isn't it? You've got Christmas Eve, which is the Friday <laughs> yeah. night. It's a day of Friday night, and then you've got Christmas Day, which is literally Saturday night, all day. Yeah. And then all Boxing day. day is just a, it's a Sunday, and is it a Sunday this year? Yeah. Is it an actual Sunday? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Computer. What day is Christmas Day this year? 
So Christmas Day is on Friday. Oh, okay. So, so Boxing Day, day which Boxing is Sunday, is, is on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll mess with everyone's uh, internal calendar, but at least we get it. At least, at least everyone knows now that Sunday <laughs> is a Saturday and Boxing Day is Sunday. Yes. Which is Saturday. There can be no confusion now. We've cleared yeah. it up for everybody. So Christmas Day is a Friday, um, but it's actually a Saturday, but it's on Friday. <laughs> Exactly. It's not hard That's to clear, understand. isn't it? That's clear. I've made that if clear. If anyone has a problem with that, then they can come to you. Yeah. Come fight me. <laughs> in a field. In a big field. A festive fight. In a, in a tiny house that's lost its way. Yeah. Uh, and then the, then, then the only other bit of the story is, this really kind of um, took me by surprise. The ending of the film, you know, where you don't know if Tiny Tim... Well, obviously, you don't. You do know that Tiny Tim isn't, Tiny Tim isn't dead because you see him at the party with um, everyone, mm. and then. But Rizzo Rat talks to Gonzo slash Dickens at the end, and he's like, "So, t- Tiny Tim, did Tiny Tim die?" And Gonzo plays that whole kind of, "Oh, Tiny Tim, who did not die?" And Rizzo goes, oh! "And I, I thought that was Muppets comedy timing, but then when I was reading the book, it says Tiny Tim, who did not die, and the not was all in the case. Yeah, and it was written exactly how they said it, and I was like, oh, I thought like they reworked it, but that whole kind of like last paragraph of the of the final chapter is exactly what Gonzo says. I think pretty much word for word at the end, which was cool. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that. I hadn't noticed that, but there were some bits that were like in capitalized, in capitalized that I remember reading. Shouting in my head, because that's how you yeah, read capitals. Yeah, there were a lot of exclamation marks throughout the book. Do you know yeah. what I think? There was the end of a sentence, like, so you'd have an exclamation words. mark, and then the sentence would carry on with like a lowercase letter, and they'd be like, "Oh, this sits so wrong with me." <laughs> I think that's quite a, quite a common thing with like with authors who have gone down in history as being like creative and kind of like the elite of what you can do with the written word. Yeah. It's usually authors who kind of like have a disregard for, for traditional punctuation. Yeah. yeah, and traditional ways of writing a story so instead of just being a, a faceless narrator that narrates this story like charlie dix like is almost a is character telling you in the himself story. he's almost a, yeah. a, an or a, like yeah he's almost telling you the story himself instead of just it being a book you can imagine him sat at a desk with his quill going i want to tell everybody a story and then he proceeds to tell the story to you through the written word mm. but without leaving himself out as the narrator it's it's almost like he's speaking it but he's written it down so it's he's, he's written it how you would say it out loud yeah which i by the way always <laughs> used to get in trouble with oh, in trouble for in college and uni when i wrote my like essays particularly uni when like I'd, you'd hand in an essay for, and the, and the, your, your tutors would be like the, to, to to see you know what you need to do to improve it going on, and they'd be like, "You write how you talk, you like the way you've written this is exactly how you speak, how you'd say it," and I'd be like, "Oh right, okay," yeah. and I'd change it. And Charlie Dix is like fucking famous for that. Charlie Dix does it all. It's made the time. me so annoyed. I know. Six years after graduating. I think it's it's one it's one of those things that kind of goes through um, cycles depending on how old you are. Because obviously in primary school you're told there is a correct way to write, and then in kind of high school it's like there's a correct way to write, but you can have freedom with it. And now it's to the point where like everyone uses written word 
probably more often than they ever have because the people are messaging each other all day, mm. every day. And depending on who you're speaking to, you do type as you'd speak. So yeah. you can hear um, the person that you're speaking to's voice yeah. as they're sending you texts because they're just sending you what they're thinking at the time. And Charlie Dix was way ahead of everyone by mm. just doing that. And you, and you, you punctuate how you would speak. Like on the on yeah. the group chat that we have uh, with me, you and our mates, it's like I I can hear everyone's voice as I'm reading their individual comments on this group chat, the way that they've written it yeah. and the words they've used. Some, and the amount of O's in the word Something as simple no. as sending, sending one sentence over the over the course of uh, like three messages yeah. is different to sending one long message. With commas or full stops. Because it just seems it. a little... Yeah, it feels like it's drowning you. Then there's a, there's a certain amount of like time that you spent between splitting the messages when you're reading it in your head that makes it sound more like the person that you uh, they read it to, and that's what he's done really well in the book, and why I think the dialogue and uh, the text that they've used to narrate it in the Muppets film has translated so well because it just sounds like regular people speaking to each other. Yeah, to an extent. So when Gonzo narrates parts of parts of the story, it sounds like someone talking, basically. Yeah. It, it doesn't sound doesn't, like a narrator yeah, speaking. Doesn't it just sounds like it, he's, it, it sounds like... He's just telling you what's happening yeah. because that's what Charlie Dix was doing. See, the, the Dickinator. <laughs> the I've, taken that one, exactly. I've taken that one too far. That was one too many. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, Charlie, Charlie Dickinator. <laughs> but yeah, and then it ends. We are now out of material. Obviously both, but not out of jokes. Both end the same way. By ending... So, should we sum up how we felt about both versions and how the adaptation worked? Mm. That feels like a natural conclusion. Yeah. I'll start. I was very pleasantly surprised by the book. I thought it was boss. It was a pleasurable read, considering that I knew everything that happened in it to an extent. There were obviously missing things from versions I've seen, but I knew how the story went. There were just bonus stuff. The Muppets film I didn't like as much as I remembered but was still relatively enjoyable um, but the, the, because I'd recently read the book and really enjoyed it I liked it, I liked the film even less because I knew how serious and dark um, the story had the potential to be, which I know probably happens in other versions of it but we're not comparing it with other versions, we're comparing it with the Muppets version so and the, the Muppets version don't I don't think I think I saw it written somewhere that the Muppets version is a good entry point for children to know the story. Yeah, which I would. Agree I'd agree with. with. It's nice and it's nice and yeah, watered down. It's easy to understand. Uh, you know what's going on, provided you pay attention to it. Uh, even even a cursory pay attention, cursorily or whatever the word is, paying attention to it, you kind of know what's going on because it's dead easy to follow. The most definite, the most definite bit of. Um, the ghost of Christmas yet to come showing Ebenezer Scrooge his grave saying if you don't change your ways this will be your grave and people will be glad that you're dead Th- that's the bit that they left untouched because it needed to be left untouched because that's the most hard hitting bit in in the whole um, story yeah. and the fact that they left that was really good but I don't think it, I don't think that saved the rest of the film it's a good adaptation as far as Muppets adaptations go because it's, it was a Muppets version of it but I think the book is so good and so unexpectedly good I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did because of how old it is I didn't think I'd understand where it was coming from but it was boss and obviously in my opinion a lot better than the Muppets version 
Yeah, I feel I wish I'd have gone first now because our, our opinion is quite similar. <laughs> I think, yeah, the, the book, it was really good. It was a nice read. It was a simple read. Like, I, I take ages to read books. Like, my eyes get tired after about two pages. They're not two pages, two chapters. Uh, <laughs> like, my eyes, they, they just get tired. I'm not tired, but my eyes they're long, just... They're long chapters in this, though. They're like 20, 30 pages. But, like, I read fucking loads of this today. I read, like, 80-odd pages today. Uh, absolutely loads today. Uh, well, I'm assuming 80-odd pages. I'm kind of guessing, because there are no page numbers in this edition which is a cheap ass yeah, edition not... printed by Amazon it's just like a printout <laughs> <laughs> like uh, business secrets of the pharaohs from peep show um, <laughs> Charlie Drickens <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I read most of it today and my eyes only got tired once I think that is just maybe a, a, maybe a, 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 a I, I don't know I don't know what that is but either way it's a really nice book, and there are passages that are like go over your head, go over my head, probably go over everyone's head or most people's head. But for the most part, it's a really nice, enjoyable, easy read. To be fair, um, humorous, and I, I think dark, enlightening. It, it would probably take you, depending on like two sittings, you could read it in a day easily. Um, yeah, but like two two sittings. Yeah, it took me about three sittings of roughly an hour, but I was texting while I was doing I think, it because I was just like I was enjoying it, but I was just I was I was doing other stuff at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I think mine was three. I read all of the first chapter, and then a chapter and a half, and then the second half of the book basically uh, were my three sittings uh, over this week. Um, but no, it's it's really good, and I think anyone who's listened who's listened to the podcast and we've got this far into the podcast and hasn't read it, I think absolutely should read it. Um, it tis the season Definitely. to read it. It's a really nice book, frankly. And if anything, it's made me want to read more things that Charles Dickens has written, because I quite yeah. I like his I was style. Just, that was my next point. I like, this, I like his style point. of writing. And if his style of writing is I mean, anywhere written... similar to this, in that it's quite conversational and quite... It's not, very, it's not overly formal, with the exception of some passages that, again over your head it's really really yeah. good uh, comparing that to the Muppets film I still really enjoyed it I still liked it I think I like it, it, it my, my enjoyment of it hasn't diminished like yours has um, I still think it's good but it, it it's it's good but it's like it's like I don't know who's top of league one in the football they're good but they're not like <laughs> Premier League good kind of thing it's like yeah. they're, they're both like the Muppets Christmas Carol is good but there's like a ceiling to how good that kind of film can be like a diluted kid's yeah. retelling of a story and the story is is brilliant and the book's amazing I think everyone should read it almost everything in the Muppets version is played for laughs yeah almost none of it is as serious or as dark as it is in the book and it really shows in in, in the the feel of it and stuff so you know, and but as you say, it was always going to be like that because it's a Muppets film. They're not going to make a, a true rendition of yeah of what it was. So yeah, we both prefer the book, correct? Correct. We drop in the gavel on this episode. Any more final That's final dropping. points? Yeah. Well, I just uh, how how have you enjoyed season one so far, Daniel? Seven episodes. Season. I mean, tell me about it. Tell me about your podcast already, experience. As, 
already concluded season one. This is a special. Obviously, I'll list it under season one so you don't explode from a uh, you know. Yes, please, OCD. please do that. <laughs> uh, but I, I've loved it, and I was I was really excited to do this again because it's been like what six weeks since we did the last one. Uh, maybe a bit longer. I I can't maybe remember longer. when we recorded but, the last episode. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I was I was annoyed about editing every week and doing all the reading. Well, I wasn't annoyed about reading. I was annoyed about reading to a deadline, I suppose. Mm. But then when it was gone, and we and then when we're doing this again, I mean, I love doing. The, I love speaking to you anyway. Yeah, who wouldn't? But 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 <laughs> ow, don't reciprocate if you don't want to. Um, okay. But speaking about stuff. Oh, <laughs> Speaking about stuff that we both obviously have strong opinions on is also uh, much more. Um, it's enjoyable in a different way. Yeah, like, and I missed and I missed I missed doing it, and it's been fun to do it over Christmas, especially because Noah's open anymore. Yeah, we we do chats like like the seven chats that we've had over the seven different topics that we've had. We we had these chats like in the pub or in each other's houses or a band practice had we had the opportunity to do that and what's been really nice this year is that in in some capacity we've been able to carry on those shitty horrendously banterous chats <laughs> that we would have just me and you and the boys but the boys aren't here but maybe we can get some boys on next year uh, we will get some boys in the, it depends if we get renewed for season 2 or not we have to wait fingers crossed Netflix is currently cancelling everything so fingers crossed they don't cancel us <laughs> fingers crossed guys for season 2 I've heard I've heard the incredibly handsome tell me again board are kind of mulling over our feet at the moment yeah. so you know we'll have to uh, but like, we'll like I said stuff. what's been really nice is that I've been able to carry on these conversations uh, to some degree and I've still and, pe- and, pe- and people are listening and enjoying as well. There are boys and girls, presumably, that are listening in to us. So thank you for everyone who's listened uh, so far. Even if you are Indeed. Dan 17 times. Thanks, Dan, for listening <laughs> to us 17 times. I know I make a point of... If I ever need to listen to something to check something, I listen to the audio file on my phone. Do you? So we don't get... So we don't get I don't, I don't want to corrupt the, uh, the metadata. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, that's, that's not helpful to anybody. No, no one wins from that situation. So, Merry Christmas to everybody. Yes, Merry I Christmas, hope you everyone. Have a good you missed a trick there, Dan. Safe. I'm really annoyed with you that you missed that trick there. The fucking quote from the book is Merry Christmas, everyone. And you went, <laughs> So, anyway, Merry Christmas to everyone. <laughs> You're such a fucking moron. I didn't want Charlie Dick to sue me, okay, for the theft of his dialogue. We've literally spoken for two hours about his book, and he's dead. But we, there were no... He, he'll be furious if he finds out, I'll tell you. He'll be spinning in his grave, and I hate that saying, because it sounds like something from the fucking horror movie. Chuck the dick. That's what he's okay. called, Okay, Merry way. Christmas, everyone! And I uh, don't know why Mickey Mouse was here, but he popped in to say that to everyone. Yeah, at least uh, there's cheeses for these mises. <laughs> full of fucking throwbacks today or callbacks even I hope you have a good Christmas Peter I hope I have a good Christmas I'm going to meet you at some point to give you your Christmas present which is amazing by the way you're going to love it I hope everyone is safe and happy has a good time don't eat too much turkey if you're a vegan definitely you've completely, eat too you've completely broken up <laughs> 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 you went pretty pixely then. Okay, let's say let's say goodbye. Merry Christmas, Pete. Love you. Merry Christmas, Dan. Love you too. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs>